Patrol Radio, WDPR 96.3, your favorite interdimensional radio station. How fast can the Doom Patrol run against the current of time? Let's sync up our sand and find out here on Doom Patrol Radio. Most of the time, I wake up like just as the jaw is closing on me, like just right before I'm intended to feel pain. Hi guys, welcome back to your favorite, uh, your uh, to your favorite Doom Patrol podcast. This side of the the painting, my name is Mark. Oh, and my name is Nathan. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. I didn't know we were uh, coming. I didn't. <laughs> I if I was coming in right after that. Nah, you're you're okay. Um, and today we're talking about Time Patrol, the second episode of season two of Doom Patrol. And uh, Nathan, how are you doing today? I'm doing uh, pretty good. Pretty good, Mark, if I do say so myself. Um, I had a blast with, you know, some good television that I had on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how, it, how, can you, how can you be anything but feeling great and, and, and ecstatic? When you have, you know, new episodes of Doom Patrol. That's just, that sounds like, you know, trying to talk nice about everything. But it's true. <laughs> I really feel like this. Or just feeling, you know, because sometimes Doom Patrol doesn't make you feel good in a good way. Uh, yeah. Uh, you read my <laughs> notes? Uh, which is which is a, a good note to start on because, uh, first of all, um, Nate, before we get into today's episode. Um, yeah. I want to break the fourth wall a bit here, um, uh-huh. and and I want to apologize to our listeners who listen to the show, um, and I didn't prep you for this, Nate, um, but I want to apologize uh, to anyone listening, to anyone who does listen to the show about uh, the delay of these episodes coming out. I know uh, by the time you're hearing this, uh, those three episodes that have come out for season two of Doom Patrol have been out for quite a while. A few days now, a whole weekend. You know, time moves quickly on the internet, and we're here to talk about time. And just to kind of be in the in the realm of today's episode, I guess Nate, you and I could say we ran out of continuum. Um, and I really want to apologize because um, I personally felt like I didn't do my best <laughs> to give you guys the the content that I feel proud about um, as, as we kick off season two of Doom Patrol. And Nate, I want to, I, w- I really want to apologize to you as well, uh, mostly um, because, um, you know, what doing Doom Patrol has, you know, I think it kind of got away from me of being like, well, they do three episodes on Thursday. That means we should also be putting out three whole episodes for you know each individual episodes coming out for the for the show um and we really stressed ourselves trying to put out three episodes on thursday night and uh i think that really came up and bit us in the ass and that's i want to take the blame for that i kind of want to apologize to you nate most importantly because um 
you know, we, we've been very busy lately and you did a tremendous job editing the first episode and it is going to be, um, you know, we're going to slowly roll out the episodes. I know it's delayed and for some people, they, they just crammed all three episodes into one podcast. They got it out during the zeitgeist of the release of the season two premiere. And then, you know, there's a lot of traction out there and I feel like trying to chase that momentum, uh, isn't the point of why we do this podcast in the first place. You know, um, the whole reason I do this podcast is to talk to you about it. And that's all that should matter is that you and I, because we still haven't talked about it because we're saving it for this podcast that we do, you know? And what's more important is that I get to talk to you about a TV show that they made about one of our favorite comic book series. And, I'm looking forward to talking about that with you more than, you know, trying to get the episodes out on Thursday night because the episodes came out. Everyone's going to be talking about it and, you know, trying to chase down listeners and downloads and stuff like that. Like that all took the driver's seat and I, I feel bad and I'm kind of glad that we failed trying to push those out because had we been successful in that realm, then it would have continued to feed my weird painstaking artist integrity of being like, Oh, we got to, we got to do the whole song and dance and we got to do it right now. And so, um, yeah, uh, for anyone listening and especially you, Nate, I just want to apologize. And we're going to do, we're going to do the show kind of like our way again and not, you know, I want this to be a conversation between you and me, Nate, about the shows that we watch and, and not so much of being about like a TV show recap or anything like that. This is a conversation between you and me. If other people are enjoying the show, that's awesome. I hope they do enjoy the show. But um, I'm not going to put that whole song and dance before before you in trying to make this a good show. Because um, I think that's what makes it a good show, is that you and I have this, I don't know, we barely get to see each other, we barely get to see each other anymore. So, um, yeah, Well, that's, that's my piece with it. <laughs> Heavy stuff, Doc. I can tell you that much. Uh, I appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate the apology. Um, I'll mimic that apology with, uh, you know, not being as prepared as uh, should have been, would have been wanted to to be. And I uh, a- and I'm in agreement with you uh, with that feeling of um, putting it out at the time when it, you know, quote-unquote, needed to be put out. Um, mm-hmm. We got a little focused on that aspect. Um, and that kind of uh, needs to switch a little bit because, uh, you know, we need to take our time with things. But anyway, Mark, I appreciate you. You know that. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the the fans that are still hanging on and, and, and listening and, and having a good time because I'm having a good time, you know? Yeah. It really reminded me. And today's me no of, different. <laughs> yeah, it really reminded me of like, it made me f- like, if I had to call myself Niles Calder in that moment, it was like really putting yourself. You know, you know, you get caught away with what you're trying to accomplish, that it puts other things at risk that are more important or like what should be important. So I was like, oh, that's such a Niles Calder thing to do is to really stress yourselves over. Uh, some final productivity goal 
that isn't that important as as much yeah. as like having an actual pathological um, feel good conversation. And um, I think it, I think that goes in the same vein as as loving Doom Patrol is to sometimes have those vulnerable, tender moments of being like just completely honest and not trying to be so much of a performative theatrical show being like, Oh yeah, we're having a great time. We're always having a great time. We have that the energy's up to uh, turn it up to 11 cause we're having a great time here. Um, so that's my piece with that, but yeah, let's go ahead and get to talking about episode two of doom patrol, which is called time patrol. And the synopsis of today's episode is cliff Jane and Rita pursue a time-altering doctor in their reluctant quest to help Niles. And uh, today's episode is directed by Harry uh, Harry Jirjan, um, who also directed Jane Patrol. When, that's one of my favorite episodes of season one. Um, just being able to see the underground was an absolute delight. Um, but he's also like a well-known editor. Uh, his uh, biggest contribution is for the show Love Simon. But he's also edited a lot of CW shows, so Flash, Supergirl, um, Ar- uh, not Archer, uh, Riverdale, uh, Riverdale, and oh, you're uh, thinking Archie. Archie, <laughs> I know. I keep messing up the name of that show. Riverdale and a bunch of other CW shows. Um, so he's very well known in that realm. So I, he's probably like. Um, well, first of all, congratulations on, on, you know, directing episodes rather instead of just editing. Um, but yeah, very well known in the editing world. And then today's episode is written by April Fitzsimmons, who also did Francis Patrol, um, and Neil Reynolds, who uh, wrote Donkey Patrol along with uh, Shoshana Sachi. Um, so yeah, those are those. That's our main uh, main crew right there. And then today we're talking about Doctor Time who's played, uh, this is our guest, guest actor of today, that's Brandon Perea. Yeah, this guy's great. Also, he uh, the voice of Dr. Time is Dan Martin, the wonderful Dan Martin. That should be uh, apparent. I thought, he, yeah, I didn't know that. I thought Brandon Perea was doing the voice as well. As far as, because um, we have seen a lot of guest villains, like it's almost like they pop up every now and then, like, uh, the Doom Patrol's villain list is not like other DC superhero villains. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like, uh, I, I guess the CW shows are a good example. Like Supergirl and Flash and Arrow. When villains show up, you're going to say something? I was going to say, there's an incredible question that I can ask you. So, uh, um, when we were watching like Flash and like season one and two and stuff like that, we had the feeling of the villain being uh, flavor of the week almost just because it was, you know, Flash, I think it was called for because it was just like a meta-human epidemic. I don't know if you could say that. It was just like a meta-human uh, sporadic pop-up of the abilities, you know? So, like, that's that's... That writes he felt like episodics, uh, I guess. But like, how is that yeah. not? I don't. I that question never even occurred to me when I'm thinking about Doom Patrol. And is that because of my adoration for the characters and their stories? And then no, I don't think so. No, maybe that plays a part of it. But 
I never felt flavor of the week with these villains. It's just like this is it's more of spotlight, you know. If anything, it's it is a spotlight. Yeah. No, absolutely. It, it's very different because, like, um, when you with Arrow, it's like here's the villain of the entire season, and then yeah. everything just feels uh, rampant. Like the the villain of the season is is they meet him every or meet them every episode, and then you know gets away with it, and then by the end of the season finale, it's like, is there gonna be a satisfying ending, or will they just you know? ended on like a giant cliffhanger for the next season. And then that season ends on a cliffhanger for the next season. And then it just becomes mm-hmm. like the seasons themselves just feel like what an episode within a season would feel like for flash. It was feeling more like, like the first level of Mega Man two, where it's like every encounter is just something to teach you a new part of the game mechanics. And it's like, Flash's villains were like, oh, well, if I spin my hands real fast, it makes a tornado or something like that. Like, every episode was just like an instruction of one of Barry Allen's many abilities. Um, With Doom Patrol, it doesn't feel that way, even though you can kind of be like every episode is a different Doom Patrol villain or it's a comic book tied in. It just, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like you said, it feels like an actual guest spotlight on a Doom Patrol villain, but at the same time, it's it just feels like they're wacky think, adventures. Yeah, I think it's like also like you know, let's showcase a performance, especially with this episode. Yeah, and it's almost like they were like, <sighs> it's like they pick a random villain, and then you're just, they're just like, okay, well we'll let the wackiness revolve around that villain. It's not like the villain doesn't have to teach them anything as we'll, as we'll talk about in today's episode, like the villain Mm -hmm. has, doesn't have to like, uh, grant them anything out of it. Like, (laughs) yeah, it doesn't matter for the lesson, which is like, yeah. And there's, again, it's doom patrol. It's in my opinion, hard to pinpoint what that lesson is. Most of the time there isn't one. It's just so you can, not yeah. feel like you're, you know, an outcast or anything like that. Um, or like they learn that what they, the lesson that they learn is that there is no lesson to learn or that they're yeah. n- not learning from their lessons or something like that. I think that yeah. might be the the better take on today's episode. Um, um, here, I, I was going to think of, hang on, I was thinking of something else. Ah, can't think of it. Theater, it's more theatrical. It's definitely more theatrical than like a mm-hmm. you know low blow, but it's more theatrical than a CW show. Yeah, there's something about it that just feels hot take. It just it feels. <laughs> I guess that's it the thing. Feels. It, feels. it feels. It feels. It makes me. It makes me feel emotion. Like there hasn't really been a show that's made me feel anything like that since. I think Cora, when it was, you know, on, when it was on television. And then they moved it to the platform. But anyway, yeah. Like, it's, I feel. Yeah. And, like, I I don't <laughs> care if the villains are one-offs, you know, because it doesn't, 
it doesn't feel that way to me. And I think that's what it's matters. more of a happy giddy. Let me clap my hands because I get to see this villain that I know from the comic book that was like, oh, my gosh, that's fun. Let's do yeah. that. I even like it how people who don't know anything like that's my favorite take is someone watching mm-hmm. it like within a vacuum. They have n- they don't know who Dr. Time is. Hell, mm-hmm. mo- I, most people who like Doom Patrol, they don't know who Dr. Time is. They know where yeah. he's been. And yeah, but he, that's so shallow. I mean, what? He was in uh, issue 92 of Doom Patrol. Um, and then he was in that 52 thing. Yeah, that I he just was in found 52 just because it was. Yeah, I had to tell you about that one because anyway, 52 gets under the radar for obvious reasons. But um. But then if you didn't read Doom Patrol like right in between right before the new 52, like mm-hmm. in that just odd period when comics were just, you know, up in the air, um, you wouldn't have known that they still had the, you know, headquarters on Oolong Island, which was from 52 and all these things. It was trying to, you know, fit in with that whole <laughs> t- tying up loose ends, I guess, that that DC was trying to do in 2008 and nine. Seven, eight, nine, all that stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, and there was a bunch of writers tied to that. I think even Grant Morrison was in that. It was like Mark Wade and Jeff Johns, and they were. Um, that was like I think uh, I'm misremembering. Was Doctor Time in that? I don't think he was. No, I don't. I, don't, I think I'm in fifty two from or not in fifty two in like the Doom Patrol. When they restarted, it was like, I don't know, it was like Doom Patrol number nine or something oh, like that from... Yeah, no, they never, he never shows back up in He never in shows up ju- in any of, like, the, uh... No, before. from... Okay. Yeah, from what I remember, he's just in, uh, he's just in the Arnold Drake, you know, original run, and then mm-hmm. he was in that 52 arc, um, mm-hmm. and then that was it, and I don't, I don't know if we need to... Um, specify what we're talking about with 52 unless you want to um uh, 52 was an event in the dc comics history of <laughs> comics um where they acknowledged the existence of you know multiple earths and then they started assigning different earths with numbers and you know different iterations of characters and you know people were given free range to do a lot of things that were great and awesome. And mm-hmm. from that idea of having 52 Earths, it just like spawned out into all that stuff. But yeah, it's like it the was more of a monsters of, yeah, <laughs> it was comics. like, we need to, we need to hone things. We need to rein everything in. This is, um, it, everything's kind of, kind of all over the place. And we need to just get continuity and attempt mm-hmm. at continuity. Um, yeah. which it was, you know, fun, but it was, you know, off the heels of identity crisis, I think. Yeah, and then and, one and then of the... all that stuff. But you know, it it was like it was instrumental in setting in the fact that like watchers were there was a specific watcher assigned to a specific Earth. That's another Grant Morrison thing that is phenomenal. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd like to see. Grant Morrison do his spin on Dr. Time, but I mean, that's 30 years too late at this point. Um, but, uh, one of the, so in, in the episode, one of the, one of the interesting things is, um, in the comic books, 
Dr. Time, his real name is like Percival Sutter. Um, mm-hmm. They also call him like TikTok thief instead of Dr. Time. Um, but in the show, they call him Dr. Jonathan Time to explain why he's called Dr. Time with a Y. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, I, I don't know, Is I guess that's a cool thing to, to change up. I, I feel Maybe in writing or in translation of comic book to TV shows, maybe that's a cooler thing to do. Or more important thing to do. I think it's cool. I mean, it's the name Jonathan Time is uh, sounds pretty groovy in a sense, more than Percival. Percival obviously has the connotation of, or not connotation, the connection of, uh, you know, Arthurian uh, mythology. Uh, uh, yeah, Percival. Yeah. Did I never you thought not about that. Get that one, the Holy Grail? No. Forever. Well, not for old TikTok thief over here. Terrible Mr. Living, Time, they call him. Um, Living forever, finding immortality. You're absolutely right. I didn't even. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, now that I think about it, it makes a lot more sense. Um, What was the other one? If you need, if you need more help, uh, the ready, the ready player. Oh, uh, first play the ready, ready that first player guy. Mm -mm. You know, you remember that? Shut it down. That's today's episode. Um, (laughs) Anyways. Um, but is it possible that, um, I don't know about anything with like maybe a copyright thing could have possibly been in the way of using names? No, because they got time. T-Y-M-E. I don't know. At, you know. Morris Day. <laughs> it's more so, of, it's just better to just write it as time to be like, yeah, that's right. Why he uses the Y. But um, overall in, in the episode, Nate, what's your, uh, I asked you this in the first episode, but do you have like a memorable scene or moment something that like uh you yeah. love the most about today's episode yeah when they went to august 8 1980 at the roller disco at the height of humanity that was <laughs> how was that not your favorite everything about that just brought the biggest smile to my face there was other things that i really enjoyed that obviously um you know stuck out to me and that mm-hmm. i have like exclamation points on my notes here and I'll get to yeah. those when we get to that part. But what stuck out to me the most was uh, that 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 roller disco scene. And Mark, I, I need to tell you, I I'm just getting this right out of the way right here, and we can go into it deeper. Please. But I I spent so much time trying to. If anybody hears this and wants to answer me, that knows the answer. Wink, wink. What a what roller disco off of Interstate 95? What happened on August 8, 1980 at a roller disco? Because I couldn't figure out any significant thing that happened in, on August 8, 1980. Uh, the, even trying to reference it back to like Studio 54 and all these things. And it's like, it's not, the dates don't make sense. I don't, I, I need, I spent so much time trying to figure out and trying to, to just know what happened on that day. <laughs> maybe anyway, the writers that's are, just where i just need it yeah there's they're, they're, if they listen to this they are heaving in laughter you're gonna figure it out and like discover craziness. like area 51 somewhere near i-95 and you're gonna be like i found I it think the fbi i think the, the fbi is here like it's just a bunch of numbers that you had to put together and it's uh it's the national treasure of figuring out what um was it august 8th 1980 yeah that the correct date? Yeah. Uh, don't even, yeah. Mark. I'm telling you right now. Don't even try to g- 
Google it for just like a glance because it's not. I've I've tr- I tried. It does not exist. I, 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 I <laughs> may been have erased been erased from the Jedi archives. Yeah, Jukastanu is going to come after you. Jukastanu is just a bad librarian. I tell you, should I mean, be right here. The August eighth, nineteen eighty. I was, I like. It was starting to gloss over me, like, as the episode rolled on, and I was just like, why is it the peak of humanity? Like, I understand that from, like, a ridiculous, like, Doom Patrol thing. Like, that's so Doom Patrol that they would say, like, oh, yeah, August 8th, 1980, that's when humanity peaked. That's when it was, like, at its prime. Oh, I didn't even... So, I think... uh, Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I literally just had a thought that I did not even realize before when I was thinking about it. What happened in, in DC Comics on August 8th, 1980? I don't know either. Yeah, I mean, figure out like what was released. Doom Patrol and all that didn't stuff. even restart till six years later. I mean, if you're trying to be like, oh yeah, it's when the Doom Patrol like uh, came back yeah, up again. Like, of course we're you know we can try to. My guess, you know, would be that. My guess would be that the Doomsday Clock was at its lowest or uh, most a lot of time. You the, know what I'm saying? Wait, no. The doomsday, the doomsday clock, clock was closer to midnight on August. No, 8th no, no, as, no. As the farthest away from midnight. Farthest away. Yeah. Okay. Like 14 minutes or something. That's like the. Yeah, at some point, um, after the Vietnam War, it like went, like, it went down. It went. It went a lot down. There was like an era of peace at one point. And we you, like, I have to ask a question. Are you like on an interactive page that has like a drop down menu of like to, like putting in a date and see what when the doomsday clock was? You Is can go like to the actual doomsday right clock website, and it will. Those tell scientists you run that? a web. Yeah, you can scan back to, That's through all the incredible. T- yeah, you can go back every every iteration the scientists have put out, and you can look back at and you can well, if you really want to scare yourself, you can see how it's inching up to doomsday. And now we're at like uh, well, there's ninety probably seconds. Like a yeah, there's probably whoa, really? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Again, all the feels on today's episode. Uh, but yeah, I think we're at ninety I mean, seconds now. And Earth is on fire. Mm-hmm. It is Krypton. For those of you who still read DC Comics and don't get it yet, we're on Krypton. Yeah. Um, but we're not sending one of ours into space unless it's. Elon Musk's uh, barcode child, um, but um, what was the what was the game that you could take? It was like the little plastic thing that you took into the store. Oh, the barcode and you, and you got little yeah, you got little monsters on. <laughs> Did you ever have one of that? Nah, because I played Digimon. Oh, oh, oh! Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, I, that. I mean, I could take the time and try to look it up. I'm not going to because I don't care enough to, and someone else would probably already knows already. But that would be my guess. Uh, but I think answer A is that they just picked a random date, and it's based off something that we don't know about. Um, no, I mean, maybe it is something personal, but it's not a random date. It's I it I refuse to, be to believe. I Mark, I'm you know this from our our. Our work that we do. I refuse to believe that dates said and written in dialogue are random. It can't be. Yeah, it's it. Honestly, 
it, it, there has to be something with the date and we'll, we'll figure it out, but we'll pose that question off. Like what's, what's going on with that date? We got to know, like tell us cause you, you don't just pick dates for no reason. That's, that's mm-hmm. art 101. You're not just ran. You can randomize things and it is random that, you know, for the sake of watching the show, you can be like, Oh wow. That's so random. August 8, 1980. But now we need the the mastermind to tell us what's going on with that. And what's going on Unless with that was, disco uh, club off yeah. I-95. Um, hmm. but, um, Unless there was something personal that happened to someone on August 8th, 1980, and that's something that they remember. That's And that question always, if somebody were to ask me that in just a random setting, I would 100% not be able to tell you where I was or what I was doing on a given date. Really? Uh, 100%. Are you kidding? Try it right now. Just hit nah. me with it. <laughs> we'll do it yeah. off air. <laughs> like, I, I, that's not even a, like a concept. Unless it's like maybe a, a birthday if I could remember like, an, a, you know, what I was doing on that particular birthday or with someone. But, uh, Random dates are not like that. I couldn't like add significance to that, you know. Mm-hmm. Is I'm that just, depression? Yeah. <laughs> no. no, no. <laughs> In my mind, I'm just trying to think of like, what date do I remember so fondly? And maybe that's everyone else's question. What What yeah. date do you remember so fondly? And how are you that good at remembering dates? Because we're not. Because we don't really exercise that part of our brain. Um, I'm sure. Is, Someone's got to make like an app, phone app, mobile game that is just like, it just spits a, like it takes your birth date and up till present and it just shoots random dates at you. And then it's just like, what do you remember about today? Or, or like, That's what do you a remember very about good this idea, day? Mark. And then you're just like, what was I doing that And day? it's like a journaling app that you can just like write, oh my God. It just shoots the random dates between the day you were born and- okay. Well, All right, it, stop. It scrubs Hang off stop. the first year. Wait, wait, wait. Intellectual property stuff is happening right now. <laughs> um, Hang on. But anyways, if we if that happens, we're probably going to pat you on the back because that's a great idea if you come up with that thing or if, you know, this is the first time you're hearing it. Hey, Mark, we got another It's a simple web form and then a randomizer and then... You can't keep on giving ideas. Sorry. Anyways... Uh, most memorable moments for me, I have to say, and I'm going to be talking about my dear old gal, Rita Farr. Man, oh man, does this woman, April Bowlby, deliver one of the best characters in any DC show whatsoever. I agree 100%. There's all the, so the exclamation point things on my notes are all about Rita Farr and April. Yeah. You know, yes, or Standing the, the last episode we, you know, we talked a lot about like Cliff Steele, Robot Man, you know, much like he is in the comic books, especially with Grant Morrison, he is very much like, yo, this sucks. This really sucks. And I hate all of you for making this happen to me. I can't feel this sucks. And yeah, he does in today's episode as well. But what's most important is that Rita Farr, who was part of the old Doom Patrol with Mento and Rhea and Josh Clay, she's stuck with 
now is Calder through all of it. Through all of it. This is going on about 70 years now that Rita Farr has been with Niles Calder. Uh, Rita Farr has that breaking point, especially with after the events with Dr. Time. She at first is like, I want to save this man. And then she, you know, she wants to be a hero now. She's like completely like done with it. Not done being a hero, but being done with the idea of Doom Patrol as superheroes. And if anything, as as D-less superheroes. She doesn't... It's like failure after failure has shown her that they are failures. And it's it's a very... It's... And I'm saying, and I'm not just talking about like her just being aggravated at Niles Coulter. It's everything Rita Farr has done in the episode because even the comedic moments between her and Niles, where they're talk, trying to talk about continue Indium, and she's she's like continue, and he's like Indium, and she's like no no no, I mean like continue talking. There's there whatever their relationship is, and then like whatever the original trio was that was Niles. Larry and Rita before crazy Jane and before robot man when they it was just the three of them living in the manor and everything was very facade like and and kind of like how Rita is where everything is just like oh yeah we we hang out here we watch movies we eat and that's it that's the doom patrol um I love that I love whatever old antiquated dynamic that they have and you feel it. And like I said in the last episode, this is only a show with one season. And yet we feel so connected already with these characters who don't really get to hang out a lot. We know through flashbacks that, you know, she's been here a long time and that her and Larry are really good friends. And like, it's like probably the closest friendship, true earnest friendship that is in the show is, is Larry and Rita there's something about April Bowlby, like the way she performs as this character that you believe that this character has been here that long with a relationship as old with those, with, with uh, Timothy Dalton and, and Matt Bomber um, and uh, uh, is it Matt, Matt Zuck is, is the Matthew guy who Zuck. plays Larry Trainer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely, like it's just it's it's so good to see whatever whatever emotions are being put on on you know between those characters on screen, like whether it's good or bad, like it's so magnetic. I love watching those characters interact because it mm-hmm. feels like if if I guess if you're like into lore and all that, like you feel that in like the slightest way where when they communicate, you're like. I sense a past here <laughs> and I love that. And uh, um, the moment where, where Larry, uh, I'm sorry, where Rita and Niles are, are talking a lot about continuum and like trying to find a way to save him and all that. Um, I, I, I do appreciate that. Um, but then the other big scene, I, I guess would be that the doom patrol kind of have, that confrontation with Niles in in that in the study room, remember? Mm-hmm. 
I agree with you wholeheartedly with uh, all of what you just said. April Bowlby's acting is is incredible in this episode. Um, I think the fav- my favorite part of all of that was the mission briefing, um, particularly with like the continuum, and then when when to go raise his hand, it's like it is a crystal that controls time. <laughs> oh that, yeah, that the delivery was just yeah, it was just an incredible presentation. Um, but. Not only April Bowlby, but uh, Timothy Dalton's acting, I felt, was incredible in this episode. Um, in the beginning, when he was talking with, with Dorothy and everything, um, you know, they made a mention to the drunk wizard, <laughs> which is, that's great. That's what we need to, Willoughby Kipling, is just, uh, he's the drunk wizard. That's great. Um, oh, I love it. But all of that, but it was... It, it, so like you were you were uh talking about um you feel that um uh Rita Farr and and Larry have have had a seasoned friendship and i get the feeling from Timothy Dalton that Niles Calder does care very deeply for Dorothy incredibly deeply as a father and daughter like relationship mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I it's it, it's extremely apparent to me. It's it, I wrote it down. It was just it's believable, you know. Um, it just seems <laughs> seems correct, you know. There's something about, and I think we talked about it yesterday, or we talked about it on the last episode with with um, Niles Calder and Timothy Dalton portraying this character very unlike some of the other characters he's portrayed in being both a person you don't like, but then also being like liking his intentions, which normally you do or you don't, or you're just believing him no matter what. And I think the latter is like his James Bond performance. And then the, the, what is it? What do you call the before ladder? Former <laughs> uh, and ladder. The former. Uh, it's <laughs> just like ladder. thinking of Timothy Dalton, you know, like I said in the last episode, it's Mr. Skinner. It's like that's a person who thought he had good intentions, but then was really just a a real piece of shit. And, you know, here he's not the greatest person. We, You know, you and I always talk about Niles Calder, the character throughout DC Comics, just being like a <laughs> just a real piece of shit and mm-hmm. Timothy Dalton does a great job blending that into a real human being like i don't know how he gets into that space or you know kudos to the writers if that's that's them making it easy for him um and then he only has to charm us with the Timothy Dalton charisma um but like the whole package you, it's everything it's all tied up with a pretty bow in one scene you want to be mad with him and then the next scene you're like is he going to turn it around should i be mad at this person uh should i be okay with his fatherly moments with dorothy or you know like why is he even you know then 
and then like we said with, with the when they're in the study talking about you know he's 183 years old and stuff like that and then you get that moment where Cliff Steele like confronts him about were the failed experiments and Larry Trainer Larry Trainer had the mic drop in that in that scene showing oh, yeah. up in that in that green in that green suit I don't want to call it green but but it's like olive it's like olive it's almost like a very um i don't even know if it's olive but it's like a uh forest forest yeah it's like it's like a pine color i thought it was olive pine what's the color it's a great looking suit pine it's a yeah brown i'm trying to color this picture but the suit he shows up in with that little messenger bag and he's got the bandages and the goggles on. I don't know. He, he was looking fresh there. That's um, great. Yeah. But, you know, when when all of them confront Niles Calder with, with that that reality that they were the failed, you know, the failed experiments, turning your, you know, turning your skin into, into rubber to, um, and I think I have it here because Johnny said it while, you know, as soon as she heard it um, was that, Niles Calder's motivation is to live longer, longevity. I mm-hmm. think they even say that word, longevity. Uh, Rita Farr's ability is longevity. It's just the wrong longevity. It's like oh, it's like physical, yeah, yeah. Molecular. It's like molecular instead of instead of time. Exactly. It's like Rita Farr has longevity now in the wrong way. <laughs> and and so it was an interesting way to think about that. Oh, she has longevity, just not the longevity you were looking for. Um, mm. And that this is his quest for immort- immortality, just to live long enough to protect the one he loved, but loves. But now it's to protect the daughter of the one he loves, which he now is the one he loves. Is you know he's trying to protect his daughter. Um, and and this is this has been the question. Back in in season one, and then with when season two started, and I was watching season two, I kept thinking in that first episode, I was going, "Did they really ever answer what what happened?" Because I remember Cliff Steele being angry in Fun Size Patrol, and I was like, "I don't remember them explicitly stating what he did wrong, but I know my from my Doom Patrol uh, legacy, I know that Niles Calder isn't." has done wrong. And I just can't remember if they said it in the show or not. And today's uh, episode time patrol, this is the episode where they, they come out and explicitly state, if you don't know already, the reason that doom patrol exists is because Niles caller wanted to live long enough to protect the ones he loves by creating experiments Mm -hmm. to see how he can live longer. And he fails every single time throws them in this manner, like throwing them in a hole and throwing the hole away. Um, and that's what the Doom Patrol is now, which I don't think we've ever really gotten that kind of explanation in Doom Patrol before. Because I think in all the other Doom Patrol comic books, it's that he's trying to create his own team. And that these are... Um, Failed experiments that he's like, well, we can be superheroes. And they're mm-hmm. like, we don't want to be superheroes. We just want to be human. 
Um, but here he's I like, think I think it's I think it's now like like up until present day the character of Niles Calder has you know with the help of you know uh, the writing of these episodes and of the character is now like hey he is uh, directly um, what is it uh, it's like involved or yeah, uh, involved, but responsible. Jeez, directly responsible yeah. <laughs> for for their their conditions. Because um, you know, before Ronald Drake, it was you know freak accidents, yada yada. Uh, freak accidents. Yep. Freak accidents. And, like, and then in the eighties, you know, it was like, um, let's just be you know the misfits. It wasn't. I mean, it was freak accidents, but and you know crazy accidents. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, you know, and, and you know, accidents that you'd be like, yeah, that's a cool thing to get superpowers with. It's like, no, you don't want, th- that person doesn't want superpowers. Those are not the superpowers, and this is not a hero story kind of thing. Um, so I think it's just until now, present day, where it's it's evolved to be, you know, him to be complicit in these, these people's uh, curses. Yeah, absolutely. It's like he... This is the first time where he's been directly involved with their accidents for his own goal. Yeah, you know, selfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other times have been like, "Oh, won't you be a superhero? I want to talk to you about the Doom Patrol." <laughs> it's like I don't want to be that. I want to be human again. I want what you know. What do normal people have? That was the. That was the speech bubble that Crazy Jane said that made me fall in love with mm-hmm. Tomb Patrol. And it's like, yes, what do normal people have? Because I don't have that. I'm stuck like this. And um He made it. He made it he made them. And and that's what you know, we don't know exactly how he's made them. I think that's the next question. In you know, that's something with each person's origin story. But like, yeah, it's this is the episode that answers uh, I think the first episode raises the questions, you know, what is Niles Calder after? And then the second one, you know, time oh, you were is like so close. You were all oh, you mm-hmm. were so close with that one, man. Hang on. Hey, hang on. Can you read that? It's backwards. What's going on you with were, Niles Calder? You were so close. So it's not, and then again, I think there's another one. Um, I gotta keep on, I gotta keep on working here. Bada bing. What are you doing now, caller? Yeah. This is Gerard Ways. Yeah. Big questions. Those are the, yeah. those are the questions that you need to to be asking. Yeah. Um, because I think inherently, Niles Calder is a man uh a character that um has ulterior motives just like embedded into that character um that's the word that's the phrase we're looking for that's the combination two words yeah that's the kfc taco bell of words that we're looking for ulterior hey I'm, i'm there baby i'm right there i'm at the combination um, yeah, because, like, before I would attribute uh, Niles Calder and how the Doom Patrol, their relation was, um, yeah, he needed a team. Um, these people just so happened to have, you know, 
horrible accidents that the side effect was some weird power or, you know, ability to uh, survive, a.k.a. Robot Man, Cliff Steele, um, you know, which is weird because, like, that's a sense of willpower, right? Don't you think Cliff Steele should be, like, you know, there should be a ring floating down for him, right? Um, so, but, like, it was always to Bennett, like, he would exploit their power, and it would just kind of, you know, fit in with, um, you know, if the wacky things could happen, you know, if, if crazy space things could happen in a Justice League book, then wacky magic and uh, imagination stuff could happen in a Doom Patrol, but, you know, Superman's not going to deal with an imaginary monster. He's got a physical monster that he could punch, but we got to get these people that could not give two fucks about if it's imaginary or if it's real because it's real to them. You know, and he would exploit their abilities, obviously. Um, there, I think there would be times where it would get played off as like him trying to help, you know, and, and teach and, and you know, be the uh, Professor X template that, you know, he was based off of or just the good side of that um but 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 uh it seems more of uh the former if i'll go back to what mark was saying you think robot man could get the ring i think cliff steel is surviving not only because of the robot because of the engineering of Niles Calder's, Niles Calder's. That's a, that's weird. Niles you Calder's the intellect. Man, you think I think the Cliff Steele himself is. Yes, Cliff Steele. The mind of Cliff Steele is so resilient and so. It's it's a pun intended driving force that it is still going. You know. Uh, think about other brain characters in <laughs> here we go so like what's the difference <laughs> between cliff steel and the brain the brain is an incredible intellect and cliff steel was a race car driver but he has the st- uh st- i don't stubbornness if i'm being negative but also they resilient, all are you know those to, green lanterns to, are to stubborn, want man. to survive yeah exactly and that's yeah. you know it, I'm no from Green a, Lantern man. From a certain point of view, that is a we know a Green Lantern. Side I, of, we have yeah. a friend who, if anyone deserves yeah. that ring, we have a Green Lantern amongst our friend dynamic who deserves that ring, and uh, it's not a good it's, thing. It's it's a uh, this it's it's set in stone mindset of you know pr- uh, perseverance, trevery, trevery, trevery. You could just say willpower. Is that the I word think that covers the base? Well, willpower because of that's like what if the if you know the ring is looking for it. But in Robot Man's case, you don't think willpower. I think it's in the same umbrella, but it's more of arrogance. The, the arrogance of what not wanting to die. Tenacity. It's resilience. It's re- tenacity. Yeah. There you go. Tenacity to live and just you know strong. Just a strong feeling for that. Hey, I, you know, I could see Robot Man having a, a, a lantern ring. I could see him being deputi- deputized. I can see all of it. You know, I think that's a... I think His you uncovered is, something. Uh, that's weird to say. His heart is in the right place, but it's not really... You know, Contact it's not Jeff Johns. I think, it's, 
I think if anyone deserves a ring now, I think Robot Man, I could see, and that would be a cool visual is to see, you know, it doesn't have to be Cliff Steele in human form. This is where fan art comes into play. I think the robot, you know, with the green aura, you know, green outline, you know, him getting a ring, feeling like Mm -hmm. he could actually be a hero if you wanted to because Mm -hmm. of how much of a stubborn ass he is. I uh-huh. I can see that, and I'm glad you kind of brought that up because I never, I don't think anyone's really thought about that. But uh, if a, if a computer could be programmed to be, if you uh, think of all the Green Lanterns, and I I want to exclude Kyle Rayner because I think Kyle Kyle Rayner deserves more than Green Lantern. Yeah, he's rank, different. You know, he's yeah. Well, he does he does get that. I mean, he has he is. Well, he starts there, but you know, I think of Kyle you know, Rayner as like this is the White he, Lantern. This is the boy. He gets all you of know. Them. This, yeah, yeah. He's he's uh, he graduated, you know. But when I think of Guy Gardner and I think of Hal Jordan, mm-hmm. and even like um, Simon Baz, Simon Baz, oh. that's the dude from. Oh, I love that guy from the um, new one. Yeah, yeah. Well, new yeah. One. And then Jessica, Jessica Cruz, but like, I can see Robot Man in those in that camp. I can see him with them, and he can be stubborn, and uh, he is susceptible to fear. True, but when you've been through the pain that Robot Man has been through, you have no fear like he, this man has been through. And I can see Robot Man getting that ring and earning it. He might not want it. You might be like, Psh, they offered it to me once. I said, fuck all that. I'm not part of that shit. Like, I could see Robot Man denying the ring, but at least on record, he's been offered it. And I think if they haven't done that yet, because I don't, you know, maybe in some weird niche comic book, maybe they have uh, alluded to that. But yo, Jeff Johns, give Robot Man a Green Lantern ring, because that boy deserves one. If anyone deserves one, he deserves he's, one. He's um uh Is he like the same as Kilowog? Like if if Robot Man had a ring, would is that is that Kilowog? Is Kilowog the answer to that? Uh yeah, I mean maybe, but like my other thought is like a robot can have a ring, right? It doesn't matter about organic material. That's well. That's the question. I think. Um, I think there is an argument for organic material. Um, with but all his that. brain but is the organic begs, material. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. So like. Yeah. Uh, but then that that also goes like, with like, like then it then it's like cyborg. It's like could cyborg get yeah. a ring? Yeah. Well, yeah. no, cyborg doesn't. No. Mm-mm. I ain't giving. I wouldn't give him a ring. No. Mm, I wouldn't give him a ring. Maybe a, a he can be deputized a blue ring, sure, but like that's it. Is he hopeful? Is he that hopeful? Yeah, he's a little bit hopeful enough to get deputized, like someone you know, uh, Saint. Uh, what's his name? Saint. Uh... Oh boy, I can't remember. Blue Lantern. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know, anyway. it could give Cyborg. You know. Here, I made you a ring to use for right now. Um, but, uh, you know, Robot Man having, having quote-unquote died somewhat, 
to then have his brain put in a robot body and go through all the hell of Doom Patrol could be like, yeah, the fear core has really no hold on me because Saint Walker, Saint Walker. I'm had over to, here I had to. <laughs> there were so many other I saints it was going through my head. I was trying not. Yeah, to I say was. You were them. I think you and me are on the same wavelength of. Yeah. Like, <laughs> don't say any of the other saints that you it's know. Like, come on, you can't. You can't like get out of that. You yeah. got to think of the other franchises that we pay attention to. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I could see a moment between Sinestro and Robot Man where Robot Man would just be like, I've been through hell. This ain't nothing. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. you're just an annoying n- another person I got to deal with. And, you mm-hmm. know, I could see his, his bulwark, you know, of a personality, uh, you know, being a factor. So, yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad you touched on that. That's I've never thought about him getting a ring before. But there might be. A... I don't. I I might be crossing. See, this is where I can't remember because I know that it was Doom Patrol got to Oolong Island as their headquarters one time, right? So like that was a thing that was happening, and it got destroyed. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was destroyed by Black Lanterns. So there might be some crossover Lantern talk here that we have with. Doom Patrol at that time of the Blackest Night event. Mm-hmm. Again, if I'm wrong, point it out on the internet, and you know, yeah, I'll, I'll like the comment. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Absolutely. Um, um, but there might be crossover, or might not. But anyway, that was uh, again. That's like you know, I need to do a refresher on that. Those few years, or two or three years, or whatever, when yeah, you're putting them out there. Let's uh well you you mentioned cyborg and I think it's a great way to talk about the other the other arc that that happens. There uh, we go. You know, yep. with season two we're talking about you know cyborg gets a, a whole different arc in in this season and he's returned to Detroit, Michigan, which is where the Titans are from. Both you know I know they're not in the same Earth technically with the with the DC multiverse of live action media, uh, and you know. It would still be cool to see Cyborg interact with the Titans of the DC Universe. Um, but regardless if, if he does or if he does not, he still returns to the same city that they're from. And this is where he starts going to PTSD therapy. And he meets Ron, uh, Roni Evers. Do you Are you familiar with this character? No. It's a new character. No, it's not. No? Are you sure? No. I yeah. thought I remember seeing an introducing. Oh yeah, introducing a new character to the to the show, but um uh Karen Obalom who who plays uh Ro- I think I'm pronouncing it wrong. I say Roni, but it might be Ronnie. Um cuz I don't know if it's a nickname of a of a larger name. Uh but Roni Evers is uh you know originally created by Marv Wolfman and George Perez in the 1982 run of Tales of the New Teen Titans and oh. this is a gen- this is a gender bent character cuz Roni Evers is usually a um kind of like I want to say like if you were to take Jason Todd and take that that uh origin of a character but make it an equi- uh, an equivalent of cyborg, 
So you have Cyborg, you know, we all know Victor Stone. But take that exact person, but give them the Jason Todd upbringing. That's his best friend. So you have Victor Stone with childhood friend Ronnie Evers, who's just like him. And then he goes, uh, he has like some sort of freak accident because they have like a, a falling out. They have like an argument or something. And then like Cyborg is unable to save him from an explosion. So he's like, basically he's killed. But Star Labs is like, hey, we can bring him back like we did Cyborg. And so they bring him back. And he is like a, he's not a bad guy. He, I guess they, I guess he is a, he is Cyborg's villain. He's like the anti-Cyborg. He's like the villain Cyborg. He's not Grid. He's just like evil Victor Stone Cyborg. Um, But it's, it's, he falls under the neutral category because he's like, uh, he just was wronged. So he's kind of like the Red Hood type cyborg um and so ronnie evers is like uh i just i don't know just anti-hero cyborg and uh but in here it's it's gender bent so karen obalon plays ronnie evers and uh, as we can see she is injured and so knowing that i'm like this is doomed pun intended uh this is doomed from the start here i guess at some point, is she going to get cyborged? Question mark? Um, I don't know. Maybe. You know, we're in for we're in for a roller coaster. But there is... I mean, if you want to um, try to do the comparisons of uh, maybe the, you know, same explosion that both characters experienced, possibly... Um, you know, without, I guess, you know, there's the cybernetic things is, is not there, but maybe because of the explosions. I think I think that's maybe the uh, the one. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I, I thought it was a new character to this show. I did, too. And, and I, was even, was like, I was even more excited. Well, yeah. See, I, you know, I didn't know about it until I read an article, and then they're like, oh, yeah, created by uh, George Perez and Marf Wolfman. And I was like, wait a minute. This is a established character? Because... First of all, I've been hollering for a cyborg movie. And I know what I would want to see in a cyborg movie, but I don't know all the history of cyborg comic books. And and I'm not saying that that needs to be brought into a cyborg movie. Um, I think sometimes you got to move away from the past and just do what is natural. And I think having a very tech-savvy black superhero is a very cool idea just like that just take that concept and go with it cyberpunk black superhero let's do it but like these people are pulling stuff from his comic book history and i think that's cool that they pulled that but also it would have been cool to see just what we're seeing now which is cyborg has uh, love interests and just that's cool it's very important like just just take it's that important to address it for that yeah to address it for that character especially you know with knowing the his background and 
throwing in another character that could be a love interest, you know, you got to you got to take into account like that other person as well. And it's just good to have it seems like, you know, two already grounded characters are now finding a connection um and it's just great that it, you know, was uh kind of, you know, at a, at a, at first sight, if you will. Um Mhm. The main point was that the first time he saw Ronnie was uh with the with with his human eye. I wrote that down. Yeah. Yeah. That was it I is think, cool. you know, that's important. Yeah, it is really cool to see him like turning off the the cyborg part of him and like before trying that to be human. when he first gets to the when he first gets to the meeting when he actually like Oh yeah, well no, is it is his, no, I, he he's No, you're Ronnie right. For the first time he is using his human eye. I think his camera is still on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right, but I'm saying that even and then after he obliges and like, turns it off, too. Yeah, but like what the viewer is seeing at these at this scene is we're looking at Ronnie like in this angelic filter, you know? Mhm. Um Yeah. And that's like, I mean, it's not so like a lot of times that's from Cyborg's perspective, from Vic's perspective. Typically, when we see that, it's usually like, you know, the grid, the grid uh, heads up display, whatever you call it. Yeah. You see the Internet, you know, you see what he is actually seeing in like the computer side. But uh-uh, the first time we actually get like establishing shot of the character is is through the human eye. I think that's incredibly important. Like that's yeah. us. That's that's we're seeing what Victor is seeing, and he's not like you know looking up her internet history or whatever and stuff like that. Like he does, you know, later on when he's you know using that on other people. But it's uh, it's you know, we see it with the human eye, man. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is a character who I think he's decided he doesn't want to be a hero anymore. And instead of being a hero, like is common in the Doom Patrol comics, is that he doesn't want to be a hero. He wants to be a human. And that's that's the start of that, is that he sees Ronnie as, as a human. And that's what he is, he aspires to be now. You know, he's admiring her for being a strong human person. Mm-hmm. Doesn't see her as a hero doesn't want to be he doesn't want to be seen as a hero he wants a completely human experience um for better or worse and i think you're absolutely right like it's very important that that shot of him seeing her you know without the cybernetics is very important and um i'm sure knowing about the character is probably like a foreshadowing of you know doomed from the start um but it's very i hope i hope there's something good to be to be pulled out from from this relationship that's going to happen um and then at the same time i'm curious to see how they handle the character that you know is comes from his his lore hang on so like after that though i think mine is in like chronological order my notes or whatever the um uh, s- systemic justice uh, issue that that was addressed with cyborg and everything um i applauded it's very relevant it was extremely informative to me 
um, it, I, I felt it. It was, it was, I was very glad that I was able to watch that and see it, especially right now and in the climate that everything is at. Um, cause I mean, it, it's, you know, it, it just, it fit so well and it was, it was, I feel like it was well done. Um, and didn't like you know diminish anything about that, um, but that was like the uh, conclusion of uh, Victor and Ronnie's uh, little bite to eat that they got afterwards. But anyway, yes, I don't want to skip over that. I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's very important that you that you brought that up. I really do think that's important. And I I'm, I would have skipped over it by accident. I think that is important to talk about. I never thought about that before. And kudos to the writers for bringing that up because sure, it might seem like good timing, but this is written before, you know? Yeah. This show is even actually halted because of the pandemic. And they brought that to light Mm -hmm. that a superhero with that systemic tradition of justice is questioned by Mm -hmm. an actual veteran who serves in the military, who serves in the systemic way that we serve that justice. And the fact that it's two black characters having that conversation removes that, that, that veil of people thinking that it's so, I mean, I would hope that it does, of it just being like propaganda or, you know, it's just an agenda writing. Like, Cyborg truly thinks that stopping that mugger and, and punishing that mugger is the right thing to do. And then you have Ronnie who's like, you know, doing that is what puts them into the system that continuously mm-hmm. generates the problems that we have. And that's the conversation I've been trying to have with a lot of people lately is that a lot of times when we talk about, you know, crime rate, you know, what, what cops do out there to be considered heroes is to make people the bad guys just to then make that into a statistical crime that is then justified and then it becomes a statistic of i was the good guy he was the they were the bad guy and we did the right thing and if you think about it that's what time patrol is niles calder says dr time is the bad guy we go out as the heroes and beat up said bad guy and we are now the heroes. And that is what Cyborg is doing to the mugger. And Ronnie says, stop that. Because that is mm-hmm. just the continual loop of the systemic like injustice. That's literally mm-hmm. it. We do that all the time. Exactly. Continuum. It's a vicious cycle that we do just to be like on top. That's what Niles Calder does all the time just to be on top. It's like, it's, it blows my mind that Doom Patrol can be that ridiculous 
and we laugh at it and we and you know we're just like oh wow that's so that's so fucking crazy it's so funny and then at the same time it's like bro take a fucking seat this shit mm-hmm. is real like it's not about saving cats and trees it's not about dressing up like a bat and beating up crime just because you have a lot of money and not every woman is perfect like they get really into it sometimes and yes it's ridiculous but that's life is that it's it is that theatricality of of the laughing and the crying like it is that that and doom patrol does it on a on a molecular level and then it just like it it does it very artistically which is what has Doom Patrol has been from Strange Adventures to now with Gerard Way. Like, it has just been, like, it's just, besides being a, D, a DC comic book or a Vertigo comic book, however you were introduced to it, it's just, like, it tackles it in the ways that it's so accessible. And I'm glad this show exists, so a lot of people are seeing that. And I'm glad... You brought that up, and I'm also really glad that, again, that we have Cyborg in Doom Patrol. Because this, to us, was like, at first, we were like, Cyborg's in Doom Patrol? And well, now we're Because we got like, Beast Boy first. That was the thing. We didn't even know. So, uh, th- our first exposure was the same as normal to Doom Patrol. It was, you know, you get the Beast Boy first. It wasn't until later that we got told it was a different yeah. Earth, which is cool. I'm kind of awesome. glad he's not. I like that. Are you... I'm absolutely glad he got. Yeah, yeah. It's I've the more I watch this show and the more I watch um, uh, Jovian Wade's like portrayal of the cyborg character, which again was a new character for me as a kid growing up. I grew up with uh, I didn't grow up with New Teen Titans from the 1980s. I had no exposure to you know Gold Cyborg or anything, uh, any Marv Wolfman and George Perez um, really because. I had, like, the one, like, maybe two issues of, like, the Jericho thing, but it wasn't, like, on my thing. I liked Superman and Batman. I I had Justice League and Flash books. Uh, so, like, Cyborg was never a character that I, um, he was, you know, he just wasn't in my line of sight at the time of formidable comic book and all this stuff for Nathan. Um, but Beast Boy was, uh, because... And and really, it wasn't until, you know, like Teen Titans drama, uh, the animated series that we got on Cartoon Network, as yeah. a as children, you know, we were children. I remember the first day that episode came on, I wanted to tape it because I thought it was like an event. I didn't know it was mm-hmm. a TV show. I thought it was like, oh, because, you know, they would have the Justice League animated show and stuff. And they had, the, at, by that time, they had like the... Um, Whatever they just—I thought it was an animated movie that they were showing, so I the, taped it. The anyway. Robin and so, me, the Robin and me was like, "There's a there's an animated show where it's Robin is the leader, like Robin yeah. has his own." And I was like, "Robin has his own animated show." Yeah. And I, like as a kid, I was like, "That's that's my show now." And then I maybe that's, that's because like I, uh, we weren't teenagers, like you know, in like the eighties and stuff like that when Teen Titans were a thing. It's because the you know the the kids. You know that were kids, in a sense, children growing up with reading Batman and Superman. By 1980, you get teenager stories because sidekicks yeah. started to become such a big thing and all that stuff. Um, 
so like we we didn't really have that we still had you know the big seven and yeah uh, spider-man um i think yeah yeah so like the the concept so like cyborg is still like i am still learning new things about this character every time i see him in anything on any sort of medium, I usually always learn something new about Cyborg. If it's his ability, or if it's the way that particular uh, writer is, you know, summing up that character or anything like this. Whatever they attribute to him to what they want to do and all this stuff. It's always something new. And, like, seeing all this... Um, like, like we're going back to what we were saying, like Beast Boy and stuff like that. Cyborg, the more... I see of this and the more I'm watching him in Doom Patrol, we said it before and I will constantly say it, Cyborg belongs in the Doom Patrol. Yes, he is in Teen Titans. Yes, he is a uh, a league member. But Victor Stone and that character and that story and that tragedy and, and all of everything that surrounds that character is... Doom Patrol, he fits right in there. And don't even come at me with arguments of having, you know, Robot Man was already there. It's like, yes, also, but it was, it's different circumstances. That's, Niles Calder didn't create Robot Man, nor was he, you know, in a way, like, involved in that kind of thing. But, you know, from another story, we did get Niles Calder being involved in the creation of Beast Boy and him getting his powers. Mm -hmm. But still, Beast Boy seems like a like a teen titan to me he is a teenager and that's maybe because of that whole garth persona that uh that gar sorry garfield persona that we got from the animated series and him being you know rocket power-esque or whatever you want to call it i don't know what that just that that kid you know radical dude all that stuff i um and then, like, you saw, you always saw beast boy as a teen right he was a teenager and he is usually younger yeah. than the other members um, mm-hmm. but even Cyborg, I never, I never saw like teenage issues with him unless they were bringing up him being on like the football team or whatever. So like, I never got hard hitting issues with that character until now with this yeah. performance. And this is, again, it's setting in stone more and more every time I watch it, that Cyborg belongs with the Doom Patrol. That is just the perfect example and also on the contradiction of what we're getting in the show of Cyborg being that closely related to the uh, quintessential hero, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, yeah, of a hero being amongst people that, uh, you know, I guess would be people, the uninitiated would consider them heroes but they're not they're just uh living with what they have and you know they apparently they have the ability to deal with these things with a curse cyborg Cyborg has this venn diagram of being plagued with his abilities like most doom patrol members but his venn diagram is that he wants to be a hero so he has yeah. like the Venn diagram of Justice League member candidate and Doom Patrol member candidate. Like he has candidacy for being in the Doom Patrol is that. And with Beast Boy, and maybe it's because of who's writing him, but in mm-hmm. Titans, I Always, don't feel... Obviously. 
Yeah. And uh with Titans. With with Titans and Doom Patrol, Beast Boy feels like a Doom Patrol member outside of Doom Patrol. And that's the problem is like if you put him in Doom Patrol, he doesn't have any spark of independence. And what yeah. I mean by that is that there's nothing to to make him stand out. Are you learning a lesson from Beast Boy? And I don't mean this to, to um, you know, uh, downplay the character at anything. This is an honest question of uh, no, he... in narrative and just like character structure. Do you learn, does, does Beast Boy learn lessons in your opinion and from, you know, you are the Teen Titans guy. You so, know Titans and stuff like that. Have you ever learned something a... from Beast Boy? As a Doom Patrol character, no. The best way to learn about all that is when we talked about Young Justice Season 3, Beast yeah. Boy, with his Doom Patrol past. That's, his, that's, that's the best way. He is the best Doom Patrol uh, member when the others are dead, when they're gone, because then he's the last weirdo of the Doom Patrol. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, so like in that way is like is Beast Boy the um like the product of um what Doom Patrol would strive to be? Like if you take Doom Patrol and you and you and you very stupidly jam it into this uh vacuum of what a proper superhero <clears throat> team and team up should be based off of, you know, your Justice Leagues, your Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman's, your Trinities, uh, your Avengers, like, that that story, that structure, take Doom Patrol mm-hmm. and cram it into that, and is the... It's your Switch. That was my Switch. Is, is the product Beast Boy? Yeah, so I think uh, Beast Boy, he's... He's... He's very good at being a doom patrol member when the others are gone because it is it is their absence and his independence that becomes his it becomes his his flaw you know mm-hmm. i was part of the doom patrol they're all dead it's just me now he becomes like the aladdin of the Doom Patrol. He's just like the only one left. I don't get that reference. I guess because Aladdin is like orphaned. He's like a, a stray. That's what Beast Boy is because the others, he was part of the Doom Patrol. He wore a uniform. He wore all that. He was out there, you know, Doom Patrol go. That was Beast Boy. Now he's gone or now they're gone and now it's just him left. That's his unique identifier. You can't put him with the Doom Patrol and be like, he's interesting. He's not interesting until they're gone. Cyborg mm. is interesting because he's realizing he belongs with them, even yeah. though he denies it. Yeah. And because he thinks of himself as a Justice League candidate when really he's applying for Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what makes Cyborg much better than Beast Boy in this scenario. And that's what I'm saying. Like, <sighs> 
and then on top of that, I don't know what's going on with Titans. I thought season two was. There's some on the right really foot. fun rumors going on about that that involve um, the things and the uh, you know the stuff that we're talking about right now. Stuff. It just like it's ri- so like right now at the time of this recording, there is very extremely fun rumors about yeah. Titans and then things that could There's, branch off yeah. of what is happening with that. And maybe we'll talk that's, about that's that with, with uh, DC fandom, but like, like we'll I think, something. yeah, I think we're on the we're on the doorstep of a DC extended multiverse, actually. So after we get, uh, you know, the incredible cyborg blossoming of this story, of this beautiful story that I'm just wanting to get, you know, so much. Anyway, after we get the cyborg, we go back into. Um, uh, Rita's mission briefing, which I, you know, voiced, I love. Oh my god, her delivery on I keep all calling this was it a, just. Yeah. What do you keep calling it? Oh, I keep calling it a PowerPoint presentation. Like if Rita Farr during her time would have a PowerPoint presentation, like Microsoft PowerPoint, like this, it would be done like this. Uh, but it, I mean, it's just a regular presentation. Why does it have to be PowerPoint? What do you mean? Because it's the year 2020. Make so, a PowerPoint like you're not allowed. But are you getting mad at people that go up with like no. the drawing and the and the flip the big notepads? No, I think it's. I'm a big notepad she, guy. I think it's funny that she did that. Yeah. Well, like, so let's think back what the character's actually doing. You remember how Cyborg all in season one was like, got to wake up. We got mission briefing. We got to do all this stuff. That idea of being a hero akin to whatever Justice League ideal he has. Rita Farr is trying to essentially mimic that or be that. She wants to be that. And wanting to be the hero and whatever type leader you can be of, of your housemates and friends and family you know, missions, briefings comes with that. So this is that. Yeah. And what does Rita Farr know? She knows being up on a stage and, and you know, doing team things meeting. theatrical and all that stuff. Yeah, team meeting. She got the big notepad. She's got the drawing. She's got visual effects. Uh, she's got all the knowledge, you know. She's got everything you need to know. And it's That perfect. is the perfect segue. Thank you, Nate. That is the perfect You're segue to go from cyborg... Welcome. Back to Rita Farr. And I hope someone does that. I hope someone, you know, maybe we're doing that. But you look at season what one. You, yeah. <laughs> no, well, I know. But, you know, someone's going to make one of those YouTube montages where they, like, look at, you know, how Cyborg is acting in season one. And then they parallel with, with like, one-to-one scenes of Cyborg doing his thing in season one and Rita Farr doing her thing in season two and being like, she's trying to follow in the footsteps verbatim of what cyborg was doing team meetings do people do that people make youtube videos of that hold on just i thought say, that's why i thought that's why say, we did the podcast <laughs> just ask the question people make youtube videos just ask that people make youtube videos yes they do nate that's okay literally the did answer you... oh i thought there was going to be more pizzazz no nope. that. that was kind of people just make youtube videos all right, well, uh, yeah, you can see the direct comparison <laughs> of the two characters. That's where it's going, and it's yeah. obviously the perfect segue into, um, you know, the the Rita's idea of what a heroic and a leader should be. Um, mm-hmm. 
complete with big notebook. So uh, she does her delivery. She d- introduces the uh, the team to Continuinium, which I wrote down because that's fun. It's fun to write. I saw it as a subtitle and was like, "That's a I like that. That had to have been a mm-hmm. fun thing to write." Um, her explanation of it with the snap, you know, the the quick clapback of a space mineral that controls time. Um, it's just like so bubbly, fresh. It's so, it's, it's on yeah. point. It's just it's it's great. It's uh, you know, enunciating. It's. I'm in love and with it's it. It's such a Doom Patrol thing too. Like it's such a yeah. Doom Patrol strangest adventure is like yes, mm-hmm. there is a corny thing called mm-hmm. the continuinium. You yeah. know, like it's well, it's yeah. it's that, not they don't shy away from the ridiculousness of it like they would like the unobtainium from Avatar. They don't just call it that and like you know, hope that you don't question it and like they don't. They only, yeah, yeah. Never they mind. make it That's a joke. The, I'll ask. Uh, uh, I'll ask James Cameron himself when I have dinner with him later this week. Old Jimmy Cam's over there. <laughs> um, He's taking me on a yeah. ride in his submarine. Um, so uh, the whole mission briefing, the drawings of Doctor Time, it is you know perfect. That's just like I love stick figure drawings with a burning passion. I love that type uh, just that style of here's a blank sheet here's a little it's you know comic strippy or whatever but it's it's solid you get the beautiful drawings of jane and robot man uh leaping towards dr time um you get the you know direct storyboard flow of what happens next you know saving niles and everything it's beautiful um, and then that goes into them trying to get there, right? Before, yeah, with um, the Larry. Larry shows assault. up, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Larry shows up and has his announcement and everything, and then we'll get more into Larry's storyline later. But uh, when they do the whole like g- trying to get to the portal, or you know, getting the portal with a uh, uh, yeah, boggle salt. Is that what he said? Boggle sand, boggle salt. <laughs> it's like the the purple boggle salt is like that's all the is that pouring on well, uh, what is what so is, is boggle, boggle salt? salt yeah is that was there was there sand or salt in the game boggle like uh, like an etch-a-sketch would be or something or like when you like pop the letters or whatever it would is that a thing am i missing something here i never played boggle uh i know it's got like the the plastic uh you know, ball with the with the with the letters and the cubes, uh, cube form, and then you kind of mash it, mash words together. Are you? Do you know exactly how to play this game and what it entails and and know all that stuff? And you're just laughing at my dumb guy explanation. I'm laughing because the top definition of boggle salt is comes from June twenty seventh, two thousand twenty. Literally yesterday, yeah. Saturday. Uh-huh. Boggle from salt. the episode. Like, is it fr- the is white? It, uh, <laughs> Listen, hold on, hold on. Uh-huh. The white powdery substance in a boggle game timer used in a sentence, hold up, asked Cliff. Isn't that just purple boggle salt? What is it? What is What page are you reading this on? This is like this is on uh, urban dictionary. 
Oh, Urban Dictionary got straight to it? Wow. Yeah. Man. That's incredible. Yep. See, this yeah. is like, uh, that side of the internet blows my mind of who these, who are the people that immediately have the idea of, oh, I got to update Wikipedia or any of these things. Like, who, who are you internet people? Raise your hand. I want to meet That's you. That's the top and I wanna... definition. Um, I do remember Googling Boggle Salt and not finding anything. I remember seeing, like, salt things, but then also I do remember, like, um, it just taking me to Amazon uh, for just to buy the board game. Yeah. Um, but I did not I did not know that it was, like, hour, the hourglass sand. Yeah, my, uh, like, my original, like, comprehension of of the term Boggle Salt is that what you call it? Comprehension? What is that like? You read something. Yeah, that's and you comprehension. Yes. Yeah, that's comprehension. My comprehension was just that you know, boggle salt was going to be like um, holistic, or you know, what Cliff Steele might just call like hocus pocus salt or something like that, where he's oh, just like you thought it was just like pouring a like purple. Okay. Yeah, like uh, that's what like I crystal took it. ball. You thought it was that. Yeah, and so when he says Are you just pouring purple boggle salt, and I I understood that as like. Um, you know, he's just pouring like purple cover, uh, purple colored like uh, holistic salt that you buy, and someone's like, "Oh yeah, this uh, you know your essential mm-hmm. oils, if you will." Yeah, your and lavender crystals, this is that, your lavender yeah. salt. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're pouring the dragon's blood on the ground now, and stuff like that. So, like, is is I didn't know it was directly related to Boggle. Is is Boggle? The only who's, who's playing Boggle and going like, look at the bo- like the salt. Well, hang the on, timer. Is, is Boggle the only board game popular board game that uh, uses a sand hourglass? That's the question. Like, you can't just. I mean, I'm trying to think. I don't of know. All that's hourglass and mouse hunt, mouse trap. No, there's no, mouse there's no movie. Mouse hunt's loosely Nathan based off Lane. the game Mouse Trap, but they did yeah. not get to that point and then it was called mouse hunt and it starring uh, nathan lane welcome back to doom patrol radio yeah i had that so you have the story of like the your saving private ryan dvd getting jammed in the dvd player and like not thank being you able for to watch remembering any. that the, the, because <laughs> i had the same experience but 10 years prior or whatever <laughs> mouse hunt was stuck permanently just the vh perfect condition of the VHS, the film, you know, it did not get untangled or anything like that. It was always stuck in, like, this little TV that had a built-in VCR in it that I would take on, like, road trips. You know, my mom Mm -hmm. would put it in the van or whatever to, you know, help me have that and stuff like that. But um, whenever you turn the TV on, it would automatically read that there was a tape in there and then just start playing Mouse Hunt. And it also, like, would automatically rewind it when it got to the end of the tape. So it was perfect condition, couldn't remove the tape. Always had mouse on in. That's how I remember your Saving Private Ryan thing because mine is a there's a twenty year gap between that with me and you. <laughs> uh, there was a time where uh, Matt and I rented Pokemon the movie. Or no, no, we went to Goodwill and bought a VHS player to play our favorite movie, Pokemon the movie, and mm-hmm. first time watching it on the VHS player. Got jammed and then the VHS player broke and it ruined mm. the tape. First, yep. It was a one-time use and it ruined it. Uh, yep. Ruined my movie. Anyways, um, yeah, I I don't look at a 
first of all, if I'm looking at a timer, I'm not going to call it salt. I'm going to call it sand. Unless, sand, right? Yeah. Why wouldn't you boggle sand? Boggle I don't salt. unless so unless we're wrong and what is in our glass is our glasses is salt and not sand. But what the, is the sands of time salt and sand. Sands of time and all it's that all stuff rock. is a phrase. It's all geology. But it's the type of rock. Do yeah, you see that cat? cat? You see yeah, that cat? <laughs> your cat was getting in your dresser. He's the he's dresser getting... is open just like a is a is just a he's... crack. It's just like Yeah. He's getting in there like a mountain lion. Like those Cow. goats that hang on the side of the He can't hear you. You're in my headphones. Mountain lion. <laughs> You can call him mountain lion. You don't have to call him a goat. I don't think mountain lions do like the. Oh my yeah, god! They do. Get down. <laughs> There's nothing up there. Go! No! 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 I put his food bowl up there because, like, when. To try to, I'm trying to get him to lose weight and like trying to like you know. Yeah, I just, just like weighed interim, uh, Hades. Yeah, interim feed vet. him and like Hades yeah. is bigger than Zeus now, and Ooh. Um, he's 19 pounds. I think that was what Uno was at his at his heaviest. It was like 20, yeah, 19, 20 pounds. He was a miniature dachshund. That's unheard of. <laughs> so they they pour the um, boggle salt. <laughs> yeah. So the big question have, is if okay. if Boggle is the only game that has that uses the hourglass timer, I don't know. I'm not that savvy on board games. My, que- my yeah, understanding yeah, my question... was. Oh, I was going to say my, my understanding of Boggle Salt. Oh my god, this this is incredible. Of Boggle Salt was like pressing the <laughs> plastic uh, dome down, and it like had a piece of thin metal that popped story. them up. So yes, yeah, sorry also uses the same uh thing, but boggle was the jumble of, of dice, no, sorry had die, dice but they're letters. Bubble. Did mousetrap yeah, not but have it's the sand? Same... No. There's no sand timer on it? No. Does Yahtzee? I don't know if Yahtzee does. Um so... Pictionary. Pictionary ha- uses a sand hourglass. I feel like that's what I know. Okay, but is it common knowledge that people know that boggle salt is that? Are we dumb? I are we don't just know. a couple of dodos that don't you know answered, boggle salt? <laughs> you answered your question about common knowledge at least with two people right now, as common as it can be in. You know, did everyone else know what boggle room? salt is? Because you inferred that you said boggle salt like boggle the game, and I'm over here going. I don't. I wouldn't you, have. Were been you thinking like, a brand like a like Mort, Morton? No, because were you thinking like a Morton. I thought Boggle didn't use a sand timer. I thought Boggle was like Twister, where there was like a dialing thing. And I, no, Boggle's I the word like, one. I programmed Boggle, and you know, I made that in in the programming language C. I made Boggle once on software, but I never known it to have a sand timer i thought it used the twister mechanic where it was like you turn it it starts ticking go ahead start making the words 
Wait, so and what were you programming with Boggle? Were you programming just random, like a random, or like just an RNG? Yeah. Uh, so that's the letters. Boggle. It uses 26. Yeah. Tw- it uses the 26 letters. Yeah, you just start that's making the RNG, up the words. not a timer. Yeah. Yeah, but the timer is the computer counting down. And there was okay. no sand. There's no sand in the computer. There's no Boggle <laughs> digital sand. sand. What's digi, digi Boggle sand? Big, yeah. Digi Boggle salt. I'm sorry. Apparently, it's digi salt, not salt. sand. No, sa- I, Digi Digi sand is what you get in the computer. Digi Boggle salt is what you use to get the Digi sand out. See, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anymore. No. Anyway, so it was very intriguing. The purple color of that salt or sand. Uh, beautiful. It was. I love that thing. I thought it was cool. Just that Niles Calder had like crushed it into what I was going to call a sugar shaker. Like, yeah, it was with, just like... Yeah, a salt shaker. <laughs> it's not... Well, oh, crap. No, so with sugar... Yeah, you're right. You are right because the sugar shakers are that wider one with just like the little... Okay, so now instead flip. of boggle sand and boggle, sh- sh- uh, boggle salt, we have boggle sugar, which is what it should have been called... Uh... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the it's boggle salt. Take walk, take my hand, grab it, and help me cross the street into understanding uh, <laughs> these things. Or just slap me in the face with my own hand. That that works. Yeah, too. exactly. And tell me. Um, um, so, like, when he crushed it up, was he cru- he wasn't crushing up continuinium, was he? Or or was he? But it was just not enough to do anything. It was enough to send him back to the year August eight, nineteen eighty. And he can't use that continuum to help. He, they just needed more. That was explained in the thing. They just needed more than what Niles had to open up the portal. Yes. And okay. in, in typical Niles Calder fashion, he knew that Dr. Time was always in there. He didn't travel time periods. He stayed in 1980, and he withheld information and then said that like he didn't know the rest of the information he didn't know you know he basically does the Niles Calder way of like forcing the Doom Patrol into an adventure that they shouldn't even be doing in the first place Mm -hmm. is basically what happens because he's like oh yeah you know if I've located Dr. Time he's in August 8th 1980 peak of humanity or whatever they want to call it Mm -hmm. and then like he knows how to get there. He knows what to do, apparently. Um, and so he uses what little continuum he has to sprinkle it into a time capsule uh, rift, apparently. Which I, li- yeah. I like that where, um, where uh, Robot Man is just like, you. why can't you just say time capsule? <laughs> mm. So... Did you hear um, any yeah. of that just then? Sorry. No. No? Wow, that was wild. Um, but yeah, but then that's so, when they... So, oh. Go for it. I'm good. What are you doing? What What's going on? No, what's that? You tell me. I was being Can quiet. Can you hear me? No, okay, no. So 
sorry. There was just a very loud noise. Um, very loud noise. I don't know if it got picked up, but it was frightening. What was? I think it was the dryer. I think it was the dryer, like, oh. st- like, sh- like shaky. You know what I mean? Like, if the drum inside yeah, the dryer yeah, yeah. just started going crazy. Yeah, it was like an earthquake. Anyway, um, so the three of them are um, Rita, uh, Robot Man, and Jane are standing in this uh, boggle salt circle. Um, And the the little mantra that they have to do, you know, to say, like, where where were you on August 8th, 1980? And, like, do all that stuff to to get there. I thought it was great. I thought the whole lying thing was wonderful. Um, But... It's like where they were saying what they were saying. Um, I was here sleeping. I was here knitting, kind of thing. It reminded me so much of the minister's cat, and I, I don't know if that was just because of the cadence, the game, the you know minister's cat is yeah, yeah 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 smelly yeah, yeah. Cat, that stuff. I don't know if it was just because of that particular cadence that my mind instantly goes to that. Yeah, um, it almost seemed like a, or if it was like intentional. A game. Yeah, it sounded like like a warm up exercise. <laughs> I was like here knitting. I was here sleeping. I was here, yeah. you know, like who's lying to that game? Yeah. Like there was something so well written, and like the way that they said it, that it felt like a game. Like it really I thought did. I was, I, yeah, I instantly thought Minister's Cat, and was like, "This is great. This is great." Um, oh, and then we I finally get was, in. Yeah. What you wonder if it was maybe possibly someone tell us if we're right? No. I mean, the only my only note on that was just that it was very Florida for Cliff Steele to be like, I was a pecking duck, or you know, you know, it just the Chinese buffet in Florida thing was just like to me. Anytime they make Cliff Steele seem like a Florida man is yeah stuff to me. It's it's very close to home. Feels very relevant. It feels like you can be like. I understand exactly what that's like. <laughs> it's yes, yes, exactly what that's like. Um, but they do manage to get uh, into this fantastic roller disco, mm-hmm. and there's so many fun things that happen in this instant. Like <laughs> when they first get there, and it's all the lights off, and then the light turns on in the DJ booth, <laughs> and the yeah. DJ appears and starts to spin "Bad Girls." It's not like if you watch it, the DJ is just like crouched down and just like stands up, like <laughs> as if he's w- constantly waiting to like at a surprise party almost. Like there's no like second level, like he's not coming up on like a raised platform, like showbiz style or anything like that. He's just crouching down out of sight behind the DJ booth as if he's constantly waiting there. I thought it was yeah. perfect. I laughed so hard. And then just the fantastic, amazing, jaw-dropping performance of of Dr. Jonathan Time. It was, I mean, everything. His voice, his look, the suit, the helmet, Bad Girls song playing in the back. You got the roller skates. You got the neon lights. Everything was just so fun. I loved I it. That, I loved every minute yeah. of it. I think the helmet can be overlooked and I hope people really do take a moment to look a little bit closer to Dr. Time's helmet because the part that I've always loved about it is the the mouth. 
which is like a bunch of clockwork. It's like the gears and stuff, like mm-hmm. with the pseudo mustache or whatever. Yeah, like I, I think. I, yeah, I think a lot of people look at the mustache a lot. But, yeah, and then they think of this as just like a mouth, but like look at it. It's got like clockwork. It's got gears. I don't know. It's just a cool design. Um, it's but, solid. yeah, he looks fantastic. It was like the other Florida thing in me where it was like the Cimarron Skateway, like in my mind, mm-hmm. like came up thinking about like because yeah. like thinking of because you know skateways are still a thing mm-hmm. uh, it's still a niche thing you can still go and do and like having done that is like to see this episode and be like this is familiar <laughs> i can did do you ever, a bunch did of you people. ever uh was that a thing you did when you were in miami when you lived in miami did you ever go to like the skateway what do they have there they have one in uh we, skate world what's the, yeah, what's but the we, really popular uh, one we, in miami in in Miami when I was growing up, it was ice skating, and it was the same exact thing, but with ice skating. Like like but, liter- like I'm honest. Instead of the music being obviously Bad Girls, make it um, uh, uh, DJ Alice. Uh, better off alone. Like Aqua and like, stuff. Oh, I'm like yeah. th- I'm right there with you. Yeah, oh, man. it was because that's when I was growing up, and it was like. Uh, DJ Alice, yeah, you got, Alice yeah. DJ. yeah, you, you got had, you uh, had nineties nineties dance, nineties yeah. high class. energy dance, yeah, yeah, the electronica of the nineties. Like you take that music and put it in Miami in like the ice skating, but with, like oh, the same man. effects you got of a Banger skateway Boys popping in there. Yes, I would exactly. Mark, I'm on cloud. I had nine. to go to it was my friend's birthday party, and we did, and then that was that was that. That's mm-hmm. that you know. Let's go back to that year. <laughs> We Whatever did. Year yeah, there was, was um I went to the I I did that a lot growing up. I spent a awful lot of time at the local roller rink that we had um here in Orlando. It wasn't Semeron Skateway. I've never been to Semeron Skateway. Um so really there's like <clears throat> there's like two popular ones mm-hmm. where I grew up and close to where I live now that are still skating rinks. Um and they still I still see you know, uh, a couple of times when I was driving down by the other one, it's off a of goldenrod, shout out, <laughs> Universal Skateway, whatever. I would see sometimes buses out there that were like, oh my gosh, this is obviously a field trip day. Like, that's yeah. cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will, so like, it's weird because, um, so like money has like a weird smell to it, right? It's like. You know this. You know what, like paper. Like you know a paper. You get a dollar. And yeah. It's, you know whatever. You you my smell my inner it and Mr. Smells... Krabs knows what money smells like. Yeah. So like that that smell is yeah. what Universal Skateway was when I was a kid growing up, and it was also the first time I had like a corn dog. So like anytime someone smells like if like I get a I catch a whiff of money. Hmm. <laughs> anytime that smell is like around, it's like instant corn dog craving and then i just want to get on rollerblades um yeah i'm everything about this this party uh, yeah with bowling alleys i'm a lot like that like you oh yeah really alley oh i'm and even like bowling alleys that you could smoke in like and i don't smoke but like if you know back then you know we grew up in we grew up in that weird in-between era of like the internet and smoking sections and in public places so, 
millennials mm-hmm. have like this weird thing where it's like maybe at one point in your life you went to a bowling alley that people could smoke in there is mm-hmm. such a weird um sensory thing that we have for that and with bowling alleys and the carpet and the fast food <laughs> like that you get there and the yeah, music and the oil, neon like, yeah burnt, there's burnt that weird indoor carnival smoke. that you get with bowling alleys and skateways and ice rinks that like even though this is 1980 like i still have a connection to that mm-hmm. that i oh, see yeah. in today's in in time patrol and i'm 100%. like 100% Right now, in present day, like you can go on a Sunday to your local skateway, wherever location you are. And I'm telling you, Nate, but you know, the listeners as well, like on a Sunday, just like go to the skateway. And like this one, I thought it was Friday. I thought Friday was the night that they do. No, you got to go on the Sunday. The The Sunday Sunday is the craziest one. I'm telling you. So I know, I know inline, I know inline skating. Am I allowed to do that at these things still, or is it like, hey, you got to do you got to do quad? I don't think so. You got to do the quad, and the quad sucks. Like, yeah, I know inline skating. It. I know but how. Then yeah, you, yeah, but then you go well, and you see well. people tearing up the floor with those quads. I'm oh yeah, like, for sure. Even they got I, you know like uh, <sighs> like derby and stuff like that. That's since I have such an appreciation for uh people that are invested in um you know roller derby the sport and all that mm-hmm. stuff and everything that's involved yeah. around it it is extremely fascinating to me it's just yeah. like that high energy you're just like you you lapping other people and getting points on that and trying to stop mm-hmm. that lapping while you're moving i don't know maybe it was because i spent so much time at a roller rink as a kid that Obviously, if you know, if you're driving around in your car, you see the little stick person jumping and hitting all the uh, jumping over the cars and stuff like that. In my mind, I was doing that on rollerblades in a roller rink. So like that idea of actually existing in a sport. Oh, sign me up. Yeah. I need to I need to know about that. Like, yeah, I want to. And yeah. I me- so I met, that's, that's incredible. I met one of the local Orlando roller derby athletes and the coach at Ellie fitness. And then I actually like, it was weird. Cause then like later on that week I served them at the restaurant I was working in and it was mm-hmm. extremely like, it was like one of those weird moments where the person didn't recognize me, but I was like, no, we literally had a conversation at the gym <laughs> for yeah. a very long time. Uh, and then they were like, Oh, that was you. And I was like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> um, but it was like the gym right next door to the skateway. That's where the roller derby team practiced and performed at. That's that's Semron Skateway. And then the gym mm-hmm. next door, I was working out. They were working out. And this lady was jacked. She was huge. She was a monster of an athlete. And then later on, I served her. And I was like, we just had this conversation. We, like, we were just talking, a couple, and the coach as well. It was crazy. And then they started talking about parties in San Francisco. Great yeah. time. Um, but yeah, roller derby, like, skateways, got to check it out. I love it. I love the aesthetic of it. What's happening at this party on August 8th in 1980 at this particular roller rink, uh, at this particular roller disco off of I-95? Please tell me which one it is and please tell me what happened. And I 
wish to exist there at the height of humanity. Uh, Dr. Time, Dr. Jonathan Time, is my spirit animal. I 100% believe that. Everything about this character just exudes and demands all of my attention. Just I, I am completely focused on this character. And he is one of the best comic book to live action wacky characters that I could ever ask for. This guy is like up there with in my opinion. I mean, he's he's Is better, he your favorite, you know, TV show Doom Patrol villain so far? Um, aside from like the main team, it's first of no, all, no, I no, never no. thought villain. that uh, yeah. Hang on, hang on, hang. Villain possibly, but like I know yeah, villain, yeah, but the the thing is I've never I never once ever thought i would see a live action uh negative man larry trainer in my life and that's always the best oh yeah but villain i i think so unless we get a like beautiful story from the brain and monster mala then it'll be like okay oh man i need to change my thought but i think right now yeah dr time is my favorite thing that that doom patrol from a doom patrol villain that i have seen Everything is yeah, fantastic, Mark. Um, I think that's the everything. one thing from the show that I'm like, I need a whole season of. Brain I want to be him. <laughs> he so yeah. like, there's a great things about this this Doctor Time character, this Jonathan Time that we get. So like, he is. Um, there is probably <laughs> an Obi Wan Kenobi argument where um, maybe this is some sort of prison. Maybe Niles Calder had something to do with maybe the imprisonment of Dr. Time. If you can't control him, try to contain it. And, you know, maybe he trapped him in a way or something like that. Or maybe Dr. Time saw past the conceivable thought of just existence and realized, I want to exist in the happiest moment that humanity has experienced. And he has willingly brought himself to this moment. Or... The idea of peak humanity is a uh, oh, what's the word is a is a is a result of Doctor Jonathan Time. Is this roller disco that's apparently off of I ninety five in nineteen eighty? That's also like you know outside of time and space, from what Niles Calder said. Um. Is this where peak of humanity exists because Dr. Time is having all of these people that are trying to get the content? Like, it's his party. Is the peak of humanity Dr. Time's disco roller disco party? I, I think, think the... that might be... That's where I'm leaning towards. Either way, I, think... I want to be there. I think the very Niles Calder thing right now is much like the Doom Patrol where he's like, you guys are heroes, you guys are heroes, you guys are heroes, and we're like, no, we're not, no, we're not, no, we're not, is he's like, Dr. Time is a villain, he's a, he's the Doom Patrol villains, he's Doom Patrol villains, and, the, and then at the end of the episode, there's like, no, he's not, no, he's not, no, he's not. Like, mm-hmm. the Doom Patrol are not heroes, and the Doom Patrol villains are not villains. Like, maybe Mr. Nobody was the exception because he didn't like you, and so, therefore, we're trying to save you, which means, yes, he is the bad guy. But it's like, animal but vegetable, then by that logic, mineral man. Yeah. 
Like they're they're beer. But beer hang hunter. on. So I was gonna they're say by your villains. logic, then the people that like are against Niles Calder would be the villains. Then to the him, control themselves. You know, then they're, by that logic, Cliff Cliff Steele is a villain. He's not. There's. I don't think it's. It obviously, and this is coming from Doom Patrol. You know, that would be the Obi Wan, just right out of the pages. Certain but, point of um, view. Yeah, it's again from a certain point of view. Like, it's fantastic, and whoever's writing it is in charge. Like Doctor Time but, is not the uh, villain. No, man not is just at all. Trying to he's, live. <laughs> he is he's just existing, trying to listen to bad girls. Yeah, he is existing in the peak of humanity where he wants to exist. Which, by the way, all the people that are, like, there, there's, like, uh, all the, you know, the people that, you know, he said tried to stop him and stuff like that. So you get, like, Niles' uh, normalcy, uh, agent, you know, agents and stuff like that. There's, like, the historical figures, like, samurai and whatnot. But there was, um like, an Amelia Earhart-type character yes. at one point that was skating by. And there was also... Now, I don't know who this was. I want to know. I want to figure out, like, who exactly... You know these writers and these people wanted to to have exist in this place that mm-hmm. was taken out of time and stuff. There appears to be what I gathered, like a rhinestone cowboy type character, and I thought that, the one that was frozen. Yeah, is that is that su- supposed to be somebody in particular, or is that what I'm thinking? Am I right? Correct in thinking that hey, that's no the concept of the rhinestone cowboy. Like, of course, it would be frozen in time. Or it would be missing, you know. And so I don't know if that's a question that we can answer. This is just my thought. That was like when it froze on him. I was like, "What is? Is that a rhinestone cowboy? Who did you think it was? Did you think it was someone in particular, or did you just think it was a costume, a groovy costume?" I think he went when he did travel different time periods. It was to bring people to party with him, and if they didn't party. They were done, though. They were frozen in time. Uh, like, but I thought, mm, I thought it was like uh, people that tried to go and get the continuum, much like let's go Percival, let's go oh. get the Holy Grail. So, like these people, so, like the samurai and stuff like that, when they get when Doctor Time, like you know, when the spell or whatever gets broken they're all in a frenzy trying to get the continuum like what they were intended to do when they went to that plane of existence i I thought yeah i thought he captured them not the other way that's why i saw like amelia Earhart was like oh she didn't for me to triangle she just oh that would be that's where she just ended up she's just missing she was after the continuum and she got trapped in the Bermuda yeah. Triangle. That is. That's what I. That's what I was getting. That's what I, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm getting. Or like it just happened. See, like the whole nineteen, you know, nineteen eighty thing is. Uh, Did you say the name of this ball. venue? What is? No, it just it's at a roller disco off of I ninety five. Oh, we don't know the August name. 8th, okay. Yeah, no, it's just that's why I, I still have tabs open on my phone's web I browser. I feel like there was also like, uh. A native of Hawaii before, like the uh, yeah, there was like the assimilation uh, tribal estate. Yeah, yeah, like there was like an indigenous, indigenous like uh, native of of Hawaii before the the queen was like dethroned and stuff. Which 
mm-hmm. thought that was cool to include that because you normally don't see stuff like that um, in TV shows. And the samurai to me was like very like uh, heavy handed. Like, okay, I guess this person's from now out of time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Was, I never and that's about what I was that. trying to figure out. Like, if we could try to f- if we could try to find every character. <laughs> Yeah, like who, a costume, because like it's like I think the credits, people. uh, the credits say something like, you know, roller disco or one kind of thing. It's it's like they just get numbered and stuff. Mm-hmm. I um, I'm very glad you brought up that Doctor Time is like your favorite. This is this inter- whole instance, yeah. Like where, dude, I am, like eating it up. I'm ecstatic about. Again, it's like because it exists in Doom Patrol and like that idea is just so pure to me and it's just original and it's great and it's perfect. It's one of my favorite things that I've seen in a visual medium. Uh, This character, Dr. Time, who is obviously a wacky guy from Doom Patrol and stuff like that, strange tales, strange adventures and all that stuff. Put him in live action. Let's put a story behind it. The story doesn't have to make sense. It could be crazy. Oh, and displace him in space and time having the best party ever throw some roller skates and neon in there get bad girls playing in the back i went back and listened to like the obvious you know they have like the you remember the the mashup on dj hero 2 there's two bad girl mashups one but the uh is uh, there jackson yeah there's two bad girl mashups on the dj hero 2 soundtrack um if you don't know i'm talking about dj hero 2 underrated i'm I'm glad you brought that Oh my go god! Go listen right. to this. I, I, I still go back and listen to that soundtrack you know, there, because it's good. There's some hear... amazing <laughs> DJ A track stuff on there. DJ A track is ah uh, one of the best scratch the... DJs ever. But there's some golden tracks on that video game and the Nathan. Janet Jackson <laughs> bad girl like the bad girl mashup with um uh, I think it's uh, Justice D A N C E no. I will hear that's nasty. A song, I will hear one. You'll hear of the these, one song, yeah. And I will immediately think, "Oh, I've heard this on a better mix that is mm-hmm. in the video game known yeah. as DJ Hero, either DJ Hero or DJ Hero Two." And mm-hmm. then, like, I think one of them is, um, uh, uh, Tupac's like California Girls, and I will hear California. And I will immediately think of like uh, they do a mix between Tupac and mm-hmm. I think they do well, a Biggie to Tupac. The, but, but, and you you can hear the you can hear the scratching points for when you were supposed to do it in game. And it's like uh uh-uh, uh I gotta I gotta go to YouTube I gotta find this thing. There's yeah. three tracks that Bad Girl is uh, mashed up with. Um, for older listeners, I guess it would be considered chopped and screwed. Yeah, uh, but like you know, now it's just mashup or whatever. So like, there's Bad Girl is on three tracks. There was the um, the Love Lockdown, keeping your love locked down. There was that mashup with Bad Girls. Was um, that Kanye West, right? Yeah, Love Lockdown is Kanye West. No, yeah. so yeah, there was only two. There was only Love Lockdown, and the, see, I keep on thinking the, I keep on hearing Nasty with Justice, but um, uh, Jam on it. Is also mixed up with uh, Bad Girls, and that is one of my favorite tracks of that video game. It is incredibly mixed. It works. Uh, that was like the definition of the video game, in my opinion. 
you know, you have, mm-hmm. you, you know, the Guitar Hero people, you got on, you usually played a warm-up song, and then you went to your song that you played, and it was like, this is what I, this is the song I play on Guitar Hero. Yeah. On DJ Hero, the Bad Girls and Jam On It mashup was my exact one. Yeah. So anytime you hear Bad Girls, I, me, I do the same thing as you. It's like, oh, no, I gotta, I gotta listen to the song. The only the only other thing I think about with Bad Girls is, um, and I like this movie more than the original. But did you ever watch? Um, did you ever watch? Is uh, Bad Girls during the the movie Rugrats in Paris, <laughs> where the sumo wrestlers are are performing Bad Girls at a hibachi restaurant in Japan? It's very not. It's it's cultural appropriation. I know, but the sumo wrestlers are doing it because Angelica is a bad girl yeah and that was that's the only other time i think of that song and whenever i hear it i think of that scene of rugrats in paris which i absolutely love that movie Um, i um my mother took me to the theater to watch that movie um Mm -hmm. i didn't even see the first one i want to say i want to yeah i don't think i did either but i want to say i saw rugrats in paris the one time in the movie theater got very uncomfortable with um, the Chucky and his mom storyline, that had to have been the first time I was ever experiencing empathy or or something in my yeah. life, and like being able to relate it to, you know, my my mother, a single mother kind of thing, and and like what I would do in Chucky's position if I like. Anyway, that that crushing feeling has never left me. This movie came out in whatever year, you know, twenty some years ago, or whatever. That. Uh, and then I feel like I watched it one time at home, maybe, but I remember just feeling so sad and upset in the movie theater that I never wanted to watch that movie again. Aww. Yeah. That I liked the like... first one with, uh, you know, Dill. Oh, I, you know, thing. I don't like that movie. And maybe that was me as an immature child, and I need to go back and watch the first oh. movie and how good it was because... It got very carnal towards the end, and I'm realizing that yeah. now as an adult. Um, but like, I remember as a kid not liking that first movie, and like, like actually hating that movie. Oh man, um, was it because Rugrats because and Tommy is being a mean older brother? Yeah, it was something like that, or like, yeah, yeah and it, it was something in my inner pain as a as a as the youngest child of three, like dealing with that i don't know i didn't i didn't like it or something like that and then but rugrats in paris i remember being like i love this movie like as a kid i saw in, in the theaters and the reptar snail fight thing yeah I, from start Giant to finish robot. that to yeah. me was like the and like the empathy of that movie like you said but that to me i that was a positive uh moment for me as well but like that's the other only other time i think of bad girls a lot is that, is that movie um Absolutely, man. If you're hearing this and want to listen to a good song, listen to Bad <laughs> listen Girls. Listen to Bad Girls. Go listen to the DJ Hero Two mashup with Bad Girls and Jam on it. Also, that's a great. It's a great song. Um, but Mark, I couldn't. I wanted to. Uh, I really wanted to be at that party. I'm glad you brought skating. that up. Because mm-hmm. if that's your favorite Doom Patrol villain of this live action TV show. Uh, can't wait to talk to you about the next episode. Um, but we'll save that for, for, for the next episode. 
mm-hmm. do you want to get into some some negative man since you're on a positive man trip? Yeah, absolutely. We need to uh, we need to address all the things. Um, the first thing I want to tell you is that without a doubt, I will one hundred percent tell you that whenever a Larry Trainer story is coming about in this show, whenever it is on the spotlight of that episode and the negative spirit bringing things and like trying to get Larry to address these issues that he has mm-hmm. without missing a beat. I am crying. I am always tearing up. I tear up at every single Larry trainer thing that we've seen every single one. And like I said it before, like I haven't felt that since I was watching Cora. Like I haven't felt an emotion, like emotional connection like that. And just like <laughs> properly receiving the emotions that is, you know, I'm I'm being told by the television and all this stuff. But like it, it was, it's incredible, flawless, making me cry. Larry Trainer is another one of those characters that they've adapted so well. You know, they could have went the Rebus route. They could have just went to. Uh, a pathetic man route with you know the, the negative spirit just being more of like maybe slapstick humor the fact that he always passes out yeah host um, and it, and energy type thing yeah exactly exactly uh it's different it's 100 percent. it's 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 really different there's um, also another thing we need to talk about with uh gay characters in in storytelling especially in the hollywood business that and there's a term that we have to talk about which is you know killing your gaze and this is something that happens a lot where for the sake of drawing media attention there will be a character that is defined as gay they will have a defining moment where they're like hey this character is gay and what that does is it builds an audience immediately and they go Wow, this character's gay. I love that. That's me. I see that as me. Like that's thank you for doing that. And then the studio goes, now kill the character. Because we don't really actually care about the character. We just want to grab your attention that a character is here. And then we jump the shark, we kill the character. It spikes a huge reaction, and we profit. The end. That's a huge issue. It happens all the time. Um, and to this day, that still happens with characters. Uh, Larry Trainer feels like uh, a break in that wheel where Larry Trainer is a very important main character who is gay, who has these trials that not only is he plagued by his Doom Patrol mutation, freak accident, whatever you want to call it. Larry Trainer is still dealing with human issues. And he deals with that more than dealing with, you know, the negative spirit or whatever is going on with him. He, and we saw that in season one. Like, he's he deals with some things that we get to look at and what's nice about him is that he doesn't really get tied into the adventure sometimes. Well, like what 
you know, Doom Patrol gets mixed up with like Doctor's Time and all that. Mm-hmm. It's very important what 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 Larry Trainer gets to deal with. His sons, the love of his life, the 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 fallacy of his marriage, the facade of it all. It's a very good character. And I'm proud that that character exists and I'm proud for the people who who feel represented by him. It's very important. I think they do a phenomenal job. It's it, you know, I I claim all the time that I love the 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 trans the translation of Rita Farr from comic book to TV show. Uh, Negative Man deserves the same thing. You know, what they do 100%. with that character it, it's they could have done him so not like that. Yeah. And not to say that it's that it's wrong, but that or you know, if they didn't do that that it would be wrong, but that the writer showed us a a better way to show the character. And I think that's yeah. more important is that it, it, it's something that most people wouldn't even think about with the wrong writers. And this is why we go back to talking about the Doom Patrol writers so much because as much as you and I love them Nate, like I, I wish more people would take the time to understand who these writers are. The you know if you don't follow them, go ahead and follow them. But uh, the big one was when we saw um, was was Danny Patrol. That was the, that was a big one. And from that moment on, it, it Larry's story feels like something we actually want to learn more about. Whether it's with his sons or the love of his life, those type of things, they, they make you feel and they make you forget that he's a doom patrol character, that he's a freak with misfit powers and dealing with, you know, he passes out when the negative spirit comes out and stuff like that. That all becomes second to, to what we want to actually know about now, to what we want to see in the episode is we want to see Mm -hmm. him, dealing with those those skeletons in his closet and one of our listeners of the show brought this up um because we talked about it in the last episode with fun size patrol and uh uh, they said that maybe larry trainer is the negative man and the negative spirit wants him to face his demons because it can't live comfortably in his body Mm-hmm. because he's so negative because he won't face his demons his sons you know his love life his marriage you know he himself is the negative man and the yeah. spirit is like boy it's just where you better it, get where it yourself lives. yeah it's like that's, please the negative spirit just has to have that uh it's the vessel, positive spirit you know? it's like bro please figure yeah. yourself out because it it's is this, bothering me yeah um, that's why it shows him these things, these glimpses, yeah. the, this reality that he doesn't want to face. He's like, yeah. the negative is stored with him, with his marriage, you know, you know, his, uh, unrealistic aspirations of, of being with the yeah. person he wants to be with. Like <sighs> the thing I appreciate a lot about it is because, um, I, I, uh, I like to think that I can relate to the dismissiveness of um, what the character Larry Trainer would have done in the past. Um, you know, because this is present day. He got there in the 60s. Uh, so, like, he's had this entire time to 
uh, be this person and, and all this stuff. And, and I think, you know, obviously now the, the negativeness is just, you know, hitting boiling points and things are happening in his life that relate to it that he is just needing to address. But the fact that, you know, uh, not addressing it is something that I relate to and that's where I see um, it's, that's that's what stands out to me a lot because, you know, I still can't answer that question of mm-hmm. how to address it, you know? Yeah. Um. So like there was a there was a newspaper clipping, but it has the the headline and the phrase of um, whatever happened to Larry Trainer. That now I could have sworn that was like the title of uh, of an arc in in one of the books, and I don't know if I'm misremembering it wrong. But that phrase stuck out to me. Maybe it was because it's just I don't know. I I like it. I've always liked it. Whatever happened to Robot Jones was that other one that we were talking. Weirdly, we were talking about that like last week, right? But the phrase "whatever happened to Larry Trainer" um, resonated extremely hard with me. Um, yeah. Because I'm I'm asking that question as well. Like, you know what? You know his. You know they were talking about him. Dis- the disappearance, obviously, the physical aspect of it. But no, mentally, like. What what happens to this man that um, is that dismissive of his past actions and things and, and doesn't address things like this? And, <laughs> you know, all that negativity does boil up. And in this case, it's personified within this uh, spirit that we see. So even in comic books and stuff like that, I was always drawn to Negative Man because it was, aside from him being cool, you know, lightning bolt guy flying through things and blowing them up it was the 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 dual character of this spirit takes over and leaves a husk of this man behind but what about the husk like what about that husk is that spirit you know attracted to why is it contained inside of larry trainer and it's like when you want to try to think of you know if you want to bring it back to a Green Lantern analogy, you know, these these Green Lanterns are uh, epitome of um, willpower. Is mm-hmm. Larry Trainer the sole epitome of negative energy? And being able to write that character and having that character not, you know, not address that negativity because then you would just be... I don't know, just a just a guy going around causing destruction and mayhem, you know, with your negative energy and stuff like that. But this is a guy that doesn't address that, but he is the personified negative energy, you know. He's the negative vibes, is that man. And it's just always so attractive to me, just figuring that out. Um, that's just why yeah. I love whatever, whatever happened to Larry Trainer that, that sits with me. I want to get that, like, tattooed. <laughs> on my back um i think um, star wars I, scroll font um it is it is very attractive it is, and i, I, I want to say his his pessimism and his apathy mm-hmm. feed into that's, the toxicity of his character and, and that's why i always question like why I, i'm studying yeah. with the microscope man because it's it's fitting for old I will Nate say over this. here it's like how do you how I'll do you say do this how do you deal with that Balls, the ball is in DC's court right now. Yeah, I would not be surprised if Larry Trainer gets his own comic book run. 
at some point. Cause, and I say Larry Trainer, not just Negative Man, not a member of Doom Patrol. I mean, yeah, he's, you know, but give him his own series. You know, Raven mm-hmm. from Teen Titans, she got her own series recently. Um, because people can relate to her on not a meta human level, but as you know, who who Raven is on the outside. But like yeah. Larry Trainer, I can see him getting like his own Marvel like Vision, like Vision got his like weird like arc that he has his come. own his own series. Larry Trainer could get that with what they're doing with this show. They can spin that out in his own way it's of yeah like his own problems like a know, moon Knight some, type thing yeah like really just i can see larry trainer being one of the doom patrol members that gets his own series first um i really can't see robot man getting it um, well like say- so i'll i'll echo this it's crazy because we bring up the grant morrison run and, and richard case run from the 80s a lot and especially with like this you know the wackiness the surrealism and all that stuff um not larry trainer you know that's obviously rebus rebus uh, even, yeah i think the body even itself is not larry trainer no. um it's like larry trainer and eleanor mm-hmm um, so like and it's not even referred to that i'm pretty sure it's like just in that book it's either rebus or the negative spirit um yeah it doesn't want to be instead referred of in to previ- by either. Yeah. yeah yeah so in- instead of it just being uh, a larry trainer issue which is again great and it's growth of that character on an astronomical level you know something that writers can just take that and just you know run with it and it it's it's amazing um, but it's all of this stuff that, that Larry did when he was standing at the, uh, the coffin of his son, um, at the, at the wake, is that what it is? Bury, bur- the burial. It's not a wake. I think a wake is funeral? after. Funeral. Funeral. these things. Um, when he's standing there and, uh, you know, his other son, his youngest son. Yeah. Like Paul chimes in Trigger. or whatever. Paul starts talking and, and. That reaction was so incredible to me um, of Larry, like, saying a word, you know, him saying and then Paul saying, say something else. Like, (laughs) hearing (laughs) your father's voice that you haven't heard in uh, 70 years or whatever, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that, that, that that's mind blowing. And then you get confirmation from this being of hey no i it is me your dad yeah and like not even like getting hit so like the idea of this like seasoned veteran who has you know this 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 uh older gentleman who has obviously lived a life and has seen horrors and pleasures and everything in between and then him figuring out that like oh yeah my dad you know isn't dead and it's some crazy freak accident him not being like shooketh as much is beautiful. Mm-hmm. The idea yeah. of like acceptance, like, yeah, now this is right. Because like that's you got miles, man. Like, you know, you're not like freaking out, oh my god, aliens exist or whatever. Like it's not like a mm-hmm. breakdown and cry. It's more of like a But you want to. 
it's an understanding of these two people. Also, Larry Trainer is old as hell too. You know, he's still living these many years. His he might not be aging physically, but he's still existing and experiencing just as much as his children were. For about a hundred years now. That's just incredible. I, that, uh, yeah. The conversation that they have was, it wasn't as like shock. It was shock because of the voice when you heard that like uh, just familiar tone. It's like, I need you to say another word, like say just anything. And it's not far fetched because like I, I can think of like hearing my own dad's voice in like you know, just hearing it from, you know, someone I'm I'm not really seeing properly. If I heard the voice, I'd be like, sound like my dad. <laughs> like, you yeah. sound like my father. Not like you don't sound like a father. You don't sound like my father being a father. You just, you just sound like, you sound like dad. Like, just, I, I know that like, voice. Yeah. Like, I know that voice and, you know, I could be wrong, but like, you know, like that sounds like, you like this you know i I know my dad's voice and i feel like i'm saying it to my dad right now but i was like i i I know your voice and i I said the same thing with like um you know we talked about uh batman v superman donald justice but i was like if someone said my dad's name or my mother's name or someone you know those things you know we we want to laugh at those things resonating and it's it's not far-fetched like it's important to understand that that's sincerity, not cheesiness in those moments that that's to be understood as a sincere moment that either your family member's name is mentioned or that you hear their voice and that you're just like, it it stops everything. And you're like, that's, that's my dad. Like I hear your voice and like sure, someone you could shut, have the you same. shut down. <laughs> yeah, you can you, have the you same. get that heart feeling, that sinking feeling yeah. where it's like, oh, your heart starts to beat insanely fast. Yeah, I'm not referencing it to my father's voice, but to um, but all of a sudden you got to be like, oh, I guess I'm this an 80 year old, seven uh, year old man. Like, yeah, uh, do you, you want to have dinner later? Like, it's just a. You know, it's one of those things that it's hard to translate sometimes with a TV show where it's like, why is everyone being so stoic? And it's like, because in reality... That's a proper reaction that that man has. (laughs) That is 100% proper. Especially coming from this this person that has lived their life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's only in hindsight where you're like... Oh, I wish I would would have acted a little more tenderly or a little bit more, you know, how I how I think I would have acted in my most comfortable state, but that's not in reality who I am. Yeah. Because in reality, even Larry Trainer would have probably already gone out and visited his goddamn family, but he didn't because he stayed in Doom Manor. Uh being negative, being pessimistic Sulking. and apathetic yeah. to the point of toxicity, which is what we just talked about. It's like, yeah, he like say, finds the um, he finds like the the written letters to his dad, you know, from mm-hmm. um, from Gary and everything, and that's like, 
Oh man, I can't even. I can't even imagine. It's. I was tearing up throughout all of that. All that stuff of huh, Larry Trainer literally having to face his failure and his uh, desertion. I mean, his just complete disregard for emotion, apathy, all these things. Uh, empathy, I should say. Just like just just. Uh, you, it's a complete disassociation. Yeah. Creating his own pain. Yeah. And it's and, and again, that's like another thing that is probably perpetual with negative man is that it's mm-hmm. that pain is constant and it exists because it is constant. It is a perpetual device, Larry Trainer. You Yeah. You're doing it to yourself and you He's keep creating doing his it to negative yourself. energy. Yeah. And the spirit is like Bro, what are you doing? It's like, all right, like I'm trying to help you. I just I exist because you're doing this. I exist yeah. because you are so negative and all this thing. That could be a thing. And let me try to help you because in some way I'm sentient. Uh but and also because it's very uncomfortable inside this body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like you're also just like doing it to yourself, man. Like you're creating your own Yeah. Why didn't he go into the house and have dinner? He ran away again because he's path- exactly because <sighs> it's we're, it's like the answer pathetic. is right there. He's still Larry Trainer. That because he's negative, yeah. because he's negative, he won't go in that goddamn house and go hang out with his last remaining family member. He's negative, and you know I want to give a shout out to Clint Manziel who does the music for the for the show. Yeah. And this season they've been using the Doom Patrol like theme and they play it like there's a there's a motifed version of the intro that's played as he's like reading those letters mm-hmm. and you hear like the Doom Patrol like intro theme and like a different key and stuff like that. Man, it really hits hard when you can relate to that theme because you know it as the doom patrol theme and then hear it while he's in that sad moment man and then the butterflies start coming in like to me oh my god the shot of the butterflies in his goggles that was a masterpiece just yeah like (gasps) i know that leads into the next episode but it's probably one of the best uh, like segues or or like tie-ins to another uh, installment of something. Cliff, cliffhanger. Like, I think that is a cliffhanger. I think that's I know, directly yeah, well, a cliffhanger. Well, I'm not trying dis- to call you out. I'm I'm th- I'm no 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 figuring his out disappearance, my disappearance. <laughs> yes, his disappearance is a cliffhanger. But I'm talking about like in all superhero like installments where it's like. Oh, we're gonna plant something that leads to be continued. Into the n- yeah, yeah, and er, the, you know, the, like the cliffhanger. Hey, you know, well, yeah, but his disappearance is the cliffhanger. What I'm talking As, about, like is physically like, though, but in 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 rhetoric, the cliffhanger would be the situation. The cliffhanger right? is what happened to him. That's the cliffhanger. What I'm talking about is just seeing a butterfly and being like, "Oh, that's butterfly collector," you know. To me, it was seeing just that and being like, in that moment, he's having, he's going through a painful moment. And 
as far as planting those seeds of like, oh, keep an eye out for this because this coming this is coming up in the next installment. Yeah. I love this more than some most things that have been like pre-planted, whether it be mother boxes, infinity stones, you know, the butterfly, how they show up, how they come into the existence, pain, all that stuff. Yeah. That to me hits harder than those things. Like, Oh my God, you see the infinity stone. Oh, you see the mother boxes, how, you know, they play a part or do you see how like, those Justice League member video clips and how they tie into the next thing. Yes, I understand that. But they don't... They get me excited on like a fan level because I know what's coming up. With the butterflies, it just felt a little bit more pathological. Like it just felt... I felt the pathos in that. I felt because Negative Man was feeling in that moment about just his absence of being an actual father or his yeah and like his absence of being a regular father i don't know how else to say it but he's just like those butterflies were a very poetic thing for me i really like that and we saw stuff like that in season one with um with with jane patrol like her and you know the way she was acting they used puzzle pieces instead and doom patrol patrol that episode and Rita Farr, in the first time she ever feels like a failure when the the kid who is the cult or who is the unwritten book, it's taken by, um, you know, the eye and, you know, the, the cult, the unwritten prophecy becomes real. That, to me, is like those are the golden moments of the show when, when those things tie in like that. Um, and so... I know it all leads into the next episode, but just how that ended with all the butterflies coming in and the music, the Doom Patrol theme, like, like um, man, what an ending! I kind of want to, I kind of want to have like a little disambiguation or something like that. So in the in the arc of of the Butterfly Collector and you know Red Jack and stuff like that from the book, this is touching into a little bit of the next episode but not really because it's involving the like how you're saying the transition and the the flow of of this this arc um the uh in in the comic book how the team gets transferred to uh the the house that jack built um is through the hospital hospital room yeah that Raya Jones is yeah. yeah. Well, Raya, Raya that's Jones, Raya Jones. Raya. Yeah, that's her hospital room. Mm-hmm. So, like again, it's it's that character revolving around the negative spirit and pain and all this stuff and whatever. And I know that there's obvious differences in the Raya Jones negative spirit to Larry Trainer, but I still think it is, you know, involving that character. So that was pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah, I think we talked. I guess maybe this goes back to the the cyborg thing, like being like, "Oh, that makes a lot more sense than Beast Boy." Negative Man makes a lot more sense that Red Jack would prey upon Negative Man's pain than mm-hmm. Rhea. And you know, because when I I reread that that two part of the Butterfly Collector, 
and I still wasn't sure why Red Jack was marrying Rhea uh, in in the in the quest for pain to live longer. Negative man makes more sense, and they're like, "Well, negative man would be the pain," you know. That's kind of like his mo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it like yes, it makes a lot more sense that Red Jack would be like. There's a source of pain right there. That dude is all full of it. I'm going yeah. for that. I don't. Uh, the only thing I maybe understood about Rhea was that um, she can live forever. She's very, 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 very powerful, and yeah. maybe that's what. But there's not. Yeah. There's a connection with Rebus and with Rhea Jones in the uh, ethereal sense of. Um, I guess being Rebus. these characters, yeah, yeah. So Rebus and Rhea Jones are ha- their connection is in the sense of uh, these two characters. Um, they're not good nor are they bad. They're not you know they exist because they exist. They are here. Yeah, Rebus does choose to you know be with um you know these familiar people, but but. Rhea was Rhea came into existence because of all of that, like uh, you know, the trauma and everything like that, and what it you know what that kind of is turned into personified and all these things and and pain, obviously. Um, but when I was you know going back and reading that whole storyline of how you know getting to that thing, it was more evident that. Um, the negative spirit would be more uh attracted to that sort of pain and and suffering um maybe on a more understanding level mm-hmm. it's often where where rebus does there was one scene if you remember the when uh jason clay gets a little upset uh i think at dorothy doing some imaginary Joshua friend clay. stuff or whatever um mm-hmm. Rebus is the one to confront uh uh Jason because it's more of a Joshua. Joshua. What did I say? Jason? Jeez. Mm-hmm. Edits. Rebus is confronting uh Joshua and uh, comforting Joshua more because uh, because that character just exists. It's not um good or bad. It's it's there supportive it's there uh you know as just the existence you know energy that's just like it personified you know what i mean i don't know if i'm making sense i think i'm I, rambling no i i, <laughs> I think well I, a, a and b uh c both a and b um yeah. but yeah I, I i definitely think that this was probably again one of those better decisions where they were like I know this is how it happens in the books, but to translate it better, it would make more sense if negative man were the source of pain because he's negative man. And then you go, yeah. oh, duh, that makes way more sense. And they go, yeah, yeah so it's going to happen. And we're not going to bring Rhea into the fold because that's introducing a whole other character that you only know about because you read the comic books. People who are watching the show it's made for people in a vacuum. The fact that you read the comic books is a plus 
but that's not what defines you to enjoy the show. It is the fact that we started the show on episode one going, here are the characters, and we grow from there. Negative Man makes the most sense. If Rhea made sense, Rhea would have been one of the characters, but she's not because it doesn't make sense. The only time... I mean, Rhea doesn't even make sense in the Geomancer Wars. (laughs) She's like a MacGuffin of a superhero. Yeah, it's just an existence. That's why. Anyway, And then what kind of sucks is when you look at Grant Morrison's run of Doom Patrol and then you go, Rebus and Rhea are almost the same. They're just Mm -hmm. super overpowered. And it kind of hurts because you look at Robot Man and Crazy Jane and they are what we think of Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol as like these flawed yet philosophical um like tent poles of like misfit heroes that were like or you know were like oh it would suck to be them yeah but with Rebus he also made Rebus and Rhea who are just like overpowered gods and we don't criticize Grant Morrison enough for those two characters when at the same time people criticize the the current DC films for apparently quote unquote making godlike overpowered Superman Henry Cavill who's like they deem as unsympathetic and it's like that version of Superman is more like the negative man and Doom Patrol of this show where it's like they are uh, forced into trying to stand in the superhero spotlight when they don't truly like aspire to be seen that way. They want to be seen as humans. And yet we praise Grant Morrison for Rebus and Rhea when, when maybe that's not the best storytelling characters for what you're trying to say. And so yeah, you're with, absolutely right. That's why it just yeah, brings it back to Larry Trainer. Later, Larry Trainer being top tier. Yeah, just a better version. The the better the better choice for that it makes it makes the story so much more well rounded out. Um, and I think that's I think that's the note to end on. Unless you have anything else, Nate, because um, we still have one more episode to talk about, which is pain patrol. And we'll get into everything we're, we're talking about now, but that's probably the best place to end on. So if you've enjoyed everything you heard, uh, please find us on all social media at radio doom patrol. Let us know what you heard, what you enjoyed and what you're looking forward to. And we'll catch you next time. DJ, please take it away. nobody's looks like we're out of time good news is everything's going just like clockwork we'll catch you next time right here on doom patrol radio 